Yo, welcome back everybody, it's another episode of Fistful of Collars, and we are joined by our esteemed guests, none other than three-time IBJJF World Nogi Champion, and most recently bronze medalist at the 2019 ADCC World Championships, Mr. Josh Hinger. How's it going, Josh? Doing well. Doing welcome well. to Austin, my Thank friend. You. Thank you, yeah. Um, I think what you meant to say is welcome to the Matt Burton Podcast. Um, <laughs> Special this is edition. The flow Grappling Edition. So This I is the collab, right? Yeah. <laughs> These are my guests today, uh, the Flow Grappling crew. So I hope you guys are ready for some pretty hard questions. Oh. You've been moonlighting. <laughs> well, you have actually been moonlighting the last couple of months, right? You, uh, you transitioned from being a purely professional grappler. And um, yeah, you're moving, the, making moves into well, the I media dabbled, landscape. Well, I dabbled in the, in the social media realm when I was writing for a few years, right? True, and true. And uh, I got tired of the typing and I found out that talking on a microphone is much easier, much more efficient. Is that talking how that started? Because you kind of were a regular publisher on your Instagram of what we might call essays. And yeah. that turned more into the podcast for you. No, they have nothing to do with each other, to no, be honest. No? Yeah, I just I just decided. Actually, I had a friend that was pestering me for years to start a podcast because he kept telling me, he's like, we, you should we, do it. We don't. Yeah, they just kept saying. I, and this was before Fistful of Callers because how long has this been going on? Two and a half years. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Oh, maybe it was around the same time. Um, but yeah, he was just saying there's there's not a whole lot of great jujitsu podcasts out there, especially from competitors. You know, mm-hmm. so I guess that's kind of my niche. No, that is true. There are a ton of jujitsu podcasts out there, but they're generally like amateur things done but just between fans right right? this like we're the only real jiu-jitsu media doing a podcast and and you matt burn is the only jiu-jitsu podcast by athletes yeah yeah and i i love the 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 perspective that you guys actually bring because you know you and your co-host keenan cornelius my co-host my assistant (laughs) your assistant assistant presenter the order guest the sometime co-host but you and keenan i mean there aren't many people who are as deep into the the lifestyle, the industry, the business, yeah. whatever you want to call it, than, yeah. than you guys are, right? Yeah, I, I mean, I mean, I guess I, who could be right? Or I mean, we're both all in full time, so yeah. Um, What's the response been like to it? Positive, yeah, very. It, I, I, it grew much faster than I expected. To be honest, the first episode that we put out was so janky. You know, <laughs> it was so bad. Like the, there was an echo on the microphone. We we had really bad acoustics. We had bad microphones. Didn't we, have this beautiful studio. We right? didn't have a studio. Yeah. We'd had just some some crappy computer camera, and then um, but everyone liked it a lot. It, it was just it was genuine. I think that's what it is. It's genuine. Like, well, we don't exactly. That's that's the one thing you can always count on when you and Keenan. Yeah. You don't really filter anything. We do don't you? prepare anything. We we just. <laughs> show up like maybe i jot down some notes on things that i want to remember to bring up but like there's no script there's no practice there's no there's nothing it's just raw um well hopefully we can channel some of the map in on today's yeah i'll just try not but... to curse so much because <laughs> that's at least we, I can... we try to keep it pg friendly but uh we are missing uh interrupting you with just a can of uh bang energy drink, yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah i'm not accustomed to not being interrupted so if you guys can just interrupt me as much as possible so Done. I, I feel like i'm at look home. at that right there <laughs> <laughs> I mean, today we don't really have much of a script because we That's just like catching up with you, Josh. Yeah. I mean, we've, we've done it many times in the past, whether it's, you know, on the road, whether it's going for dinner at tournaments, you know, whether it's just hanging out like, like we have in the last couple of days. You know, we, we are in the gym this morning. We we're shooting an episode of Fix My Game with Chase. 
How that went that? great, man. That was yeah. super yeah. fun. I had a great training session with Chase. Went three rounds. He asked for one more round. He couldn't get enough. Yeah. And uh, I learned a lot. It was great, you know. Well, it was it, you, you pulled the classic um, beginner move when you said, hey, can we just like a light roll mm-hmm. flow, mm-hmm. like That's just warm secret. up? And then he just came at me 100% <laughs> like, full on. I was like, you, you, were, Dude, you were breathing no hard with, within 30 seconds. In my were, defense, <laughs> you said I have one speed, on or off. I'm like, all right, I'll have to survive. So I put up a good fight. I did my best for you guys out there, but there's a lot of really good details coming. I learned role. a lot. So What was, was the theme of the of the of the fix my game do you think um i saw a few twisters in there there were some twisters that's the original guillotine yeah exactly that was the name that's the the first hanger team really so he twisted me i think four times maybe (laughs) but we actually covered in depth the 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 guillotine the twister used to be my thing purple belt before the guillotine yeah before i was like probably when i first started developing a guillotine game i was all about the twisters i would Mm. take the back and i would never try to finish the rear naked chokes i would always just opt for the twister why Mm. was that no one knew how to defend a twister. Mm, I you know, everyone know. knows how to defend a rear naked choke. <laughs> right. And, and, and lately, lately, with the with the the increase of uh, eBay rules tournaments, like people are really good at it. Everyone's yeah. really good at defending their back. No one's good at defending a twister. Yeah. To be honest, though, the opportunities for hitting it in competition is so uh, is much less compared to yeah. other main attacks, right? Yeah, so, well, and it's kind of the thing you do to somebody in the gym as well. And once in a while, you do it. And people get mad yeah people get really mad when yeah. they get twisted so not about you but i would always like not twist the people in training for fear of pissing my training partners off this guy over here the humble gentle giant like i won't twist you today i don't want you to get uh, upset. Uh, oh no <laughs> it, it feels so good when you do right yeah when you, when you put a twister on it's somebody, such a satisfying move because yeah. like you know you could have had other submissions like oh, yeah but you just chose to to you chose to embarrass this person. Mm. The same for the Gogo Plata, right? There's so many submissions you can get before you get to a Gogo Plata. But if you opt to choose the most embarrassing submission for your opponent, like they know you're just trying to embarrass them. <laughs> <laughs> like, and that's why they're they get. That's why they get mad out here, fans. <laughs> like, they're by just the way. their their soul just kind of <laughs> crumbles in front of you as you as you're approaching the final submission, and they realize like, oh, you bypassed an armbar just so you could do this. You bite. You bypassed a rear naked choke just so you could twister me, and then they know you're just trying to embarrass them. Mm. Did and you do any Google plotters today? No, he didn't. No. He didn't. He didn't. Because uh, that is actually uh, one of your yeah. weapons. Because you've yeah. you've got the hanger team. <clears throat> Um, but there's the hanger plata. The hanger well, team right? sets up the mono plata. Mm-hmm. The mono plata sets up the gogo plata, and so it's like if if it's really just a choice. It's not like it's not like you have to like you you mess something up and then you have to go to the gogo plata. You really just kind of bypass the first two submissions mm. to try to get this really cool unicorn submission, right? <laughs> unicorn submission. Yeah, it's like, like the that. uncapturable animal, right? Is that's what the gogo plata is? I think they call it the unicorn submission. I like that because you can't capture a unicorn. Well, I can't wait to see the episode because it, it looked. You guys, were, I, I was sat on the side of the gym, kind of just watching you guys. It looked fun. Right? It was fun. I felt know? bad. I, just have, I have such a weight advantage on Chase, and like he definitely tried to do a few techniques that like he probably would have been able to put a little more oomph into. It's if probably like he's being what, generous. Forty-five pound weight difference right now or something. Weigh? Yeah, I'm solid one seventy these days. But <laughs> are you one seventy? No, no. one forty. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, I'm, I'm, I'm 185. You know, right it's, it's always a great time to, to train with somebody that's really skilled. And, you know, I'd like to go after him and see what they, they, they want to do to me. Oh, that's came, the whole you point. You came after me. Right? So. <laughs> you came after me like those White Belt World Finals. That's what I have to do. That's what I have to do. So that was a good time. Channel that spaz energy. Yeah. Yeah. But how, how you and I have never trained. And wh- oh, <laughs> when, yeah. when is this going to happen? That, right? I trained with Chase. I've trained with Reed. 
I had a legit excuse last time because la- last time you guys mm-hmm. got murdered by Josh, and we, we came to Atos and I legit wasn't training for like three months due to a really severe arm, arm injury. Right now, I can just straight up say, I'm ducking you. <laughs> 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 My neck is bad enough as it is, thanks. I don't need it stretched any further. So <laughs> one, one day, one day. Are you, no, it would be a pleasure, I'm sure. Would you ever consider competing? Nah, we've, we've been trying to get him to do a Masters Worlds. We're all, Can you imagine how many competitors would just be like, yeah, 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 all right, right. Al, remember that one time you... Could it take all the flow grappling guy, get some extra points? Most Jeez. of the squad besides Ryan is Masters eligible, and I thought it'd be so cool to have everyone compete one year, just have the whole that team cool. roll out and do it. The flow team? Yeah. Jeez, I, we, just, I just turned Masters 3. 40? Yeah. Wow. Isn't that bad? That's, no, thank you. No, I'm, I'm, no, no, no. It's I'm not. only a few years behind you. <laughs> True, yeah. I'm only a few years behind you. Masters 8. Yeah. <laughs> not far off. But you've competed recently in Fight to Win, Chase, right? Yeah, I lost a Fight to Win in August. You didn't have to say that you lost. Right? I did. You know, it's, it's the way it goes. Um, you got out By there. decision. You got out I wasn't there. submitted, but uh, it was a fun match. I've been on Fight to Win a couple times. Won my first match. One on one. One on one. I like to compete. It's and, fun. And Reed has competed recently, right? Was it Pans last year? He won yeah, Pans. He won Pans. Masters won Purple yeah. Bell. Oh, the heavyweight division. Master one purple. Yes. Yeah. Nice. He had a tough day that day. That was like four really tough matches. And then he went back to work after he won? Yeah. 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 <laughs> we literally went right like, back okay, to work. Put your gold medal down. Pick yeah, up your yeah. camera. Let's go. <laughs> Playtime's over. Yeah. Yeah, we try and get out there as much as possible. It's part of the part of the game. What so. about uh, what about the other guys? Michael or Ryan? Do they yeah, Michael last he competed Masters Worlds like uh, just over one year ago. Um, Brown Belt Masters. Um Ryan, when was the last time you competed? Um I competed a little bit uh, last year. All right. We did it a couple times, yeah. All right, so we just need Hal to get in there. Yeah, he's the <laughs> only one, man. The only one. Crazy thing, I've never competed as a black belt. Really? Last time Gotta I competed was as a brown belt when I was still living in Rio. Uh, you should do a fight to win, dude. Just one, just oh, one match. Just one, yeah, one match. Like, you don't have to worry about yeah. you, could, you could handpick your opponent, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> I did some local state tournaments in Rio and stuff, and that was a lot of fun because they're always like really weird venues. You know, you've got like these semi outdoor. Sometimes you're competing in like 95 degree heat and like a tin shack. I, I, <laughs> I did that literally. I did that. It was incredible. Um, but you know, yeah, it was fun. Chase, do you have a uh, a routine that you run through when you're coming up into a tournament, like the morning of or the day before? Like, do you have any rituals or? I like to drink as much coffee as possible to <laughs> set myself into pre-cardiac arrest <laughs> and then stress out and take a really gnarly combat dump. Like that's that's the morning for me. Um, okay. Combat dump. Yeah, but I could probably use some advice, Josh. You're a little bit more seasoned competitor. Uh, I've got maybe- your last match pulled up right now. Yeah, don't do that. Don't do that. <laughs> There's not, nothing you need to see in there. Josh. Combat dumps are a real thing, though. The adrenaline and caffeine oh. mixed together. Oh, geez. Super important that yeah. you go to the bathroom before your match. Well, mm. that that's why whenever you go to a jiu-jitsu tournament, wherever it is, you always try to find that one bathroom that nobody else knows the, about. The hidden right? bathroom, yeah. There's always yeah, a hidden bathroom. Of course. And you... You, you guard that bathroom. Yep. You don't tell anybody else about it. The only one who knows it. about it, yeah. Because the public bathrooms are just like a bomb site, right? right. It's just like a giant and there's bomb's gone off. Yeah, there's always a line, and there's always a, there's always a mess. Like someone just like had a, to defile the toilet. <laughs> yeah. The end of the day is a, is a horrifying experience. Like we're in there working, you know, till eight p.m. and Sometimes it's that time you walk in there and it's like, oh my god! Half, the halfway yeah. through the, the halfway point of the day, like the, the toilets and the bathrooms are like they're respectable up until like you know noon or twelve two p.m. and then after that it's like just right don't, off, yeah. Just don't, don't you go know, uh, we always seen those um, the stories about like the you know the 
generally a white or a blue belt just walking into the bathroom barefoot. like barefoot. Oh god! Yeah. So I actually saw somebody do that at Masters Worlds uh, most recently, and it was a uh, it was a blue belt, and he just like I guess he just come off the mat because he's kind of sweaty and stuff, and he obviously gave zero Fs, and he was just <laughs> marching straight towards the bathroom, and he just about crossed the threshold. And I was looking, and I was about to say Almost something. I was about oh. to say something. And I don't know who, I don't know how, I think it was like a teammate or something, or somebody who was with him. And just a pair of flip-flops literally came flying <laughs> through the air. Someone threw them at him. Threw them at him, hit him in the chest, and he just kind of turned around, picked them up, put them on, and walked on. And I was like, thank God for that. What a hero. <laughs> right? Who was that person? I know. Give that guy a medal. It was actually it. just a little grandma. You know how the little <laughs> grandma's are kind of throwing, throwing their slippers at their kids? Yeah. What's your routine, Josh, for that? for a pre-tournament uh, morning of? Um, well, let's go the night before. Okay, it starts early. Let's say 48 hours before, right? Because a lot of people are always concerned about their weight, okay? And one, mm. and I don't like cutting weight anymore, right? But I'm always within a few pounds. It, this is not really cutting, right? Mm -hmm. But if you're concerned about the few pounds and maybe you don't want to have to go do a workout right before your division to sweat off some pounds, it's important that you you chug a gallon of water every single day for that entire week leading up to the tournament. Mm. It's called a super hydration? Is that yeah, it? yeah, 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 yeah. And then your body just gets used to flushing itself out, right? You're just, so you're, you're drinking, you're going to the bathroom, you're drinking, you're going to the bathroom. And then you stop drinking water 24 hours before you weigh in, right? And then that last 24 hours, you just don't consume any fluids, right? And your body will just continue to let the water out because it thinks it's going to get more. It's been getting a lot of water the whole week. Um, this is a really great way to just shed those last few pounds of water. <clears throat> without having to cut or like sweat or work out or um so what i try to do the night before the tournament is i try to make sure i'm maybe one pound over the weight mm. right and but i'm very well hydrated so you can rest assured that you're gonna lose some weight overnight they call it floating mm -hmm. floating the weight off you're gonna wake up you're gonna go to the bathroom you're gonna you're be a pound or two pounds under at least you know and then you have room for breakfast Right, you like to eat? I eat breakfast. Right. I always eat breakfast. I can't not even imagine not uh, eating breakfast before a competition. Because I've seen, you know, guys, you know, they, they, they go to the bullpen, they step on the scale, and they jump off, and the first thing they do is they start ramming food in their mouth. They're like, finally, I can eat. It's so, too late, though. Right? Like, it's too late. That food is not that. And you that, step on the mat with a stomach full of. Yeah, the, the food yeah. is just here. It's not yeah. in your muscles. It's not in your bloodstream. Mm -hmm. it's, it's just sitting in your stomach. And now you just, you, you complicated your, your, mm -hmm. your competition situation. Um so I always, I, yeah, if I'm a pound over the night before, I'll usually wake up on or under, okay? So then I can go eat breakfast. I like scrambled eggs and pancakes or toast. Um, not like the bad kind of pancakes, but maybe some, like, some buckwheat pancakes or some whole yeah. wheat pancakes. You're not talking about like whipped cream Yeah, I know. Yeah. Spare yourself the sugar. You know? And you, of course, we all need room for coffee, right? Mm. Um, so you got to have room for coffee. Now, if you eat to the point where you're, again, one pound over, and this is the morning of the competition... You still have two or three hours before the division. That food is going to digest. As long as you're not drinking a lot of fluids, you're not going to re really retain very much weight. The food doesn't weigh much. Okay, well, fluids weigh a lot. Um, so if you eat yourself to about a pound over and you have about three hours before your division, that's going to digest. It's going to go down on its own. You don't have to even do. You don't have to do anything. But if you give yourself a legitimate warm up and you actually work really hard during your warm up, you're going to lose another pound at least. You'll be back under a pound under the weight class so um that's what i like to do 
And what about like morning off and stuff? You know, when you're in the bullpen, are you yeah. the kind of guy headphones in, hood up, don't talk to me? Or are you a little bit more open? I you... like the headphones because it deters people from trying to talk to you. Mm. That's one good thing there. Uh, but I don't like to consume a bunch of music or noise in my head um, before. Sometimes you just put them in. Just it looks like yeah. you're listening to something. Yeah, or I'll yeah. just put them in for a little bit and take them out because mm. what I really want to hear is the roar of the arena. Right, right. This is what you're going to be listening to when you're competing. It's a trigger, right? Yeah, and if you're if you're listening to music and the music's hyping you up and you're feeling all good and then you take it out, you just lost your stimulant. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? It's mm-hmm. like it's like if you took the caffeine out of your body. Like that <laughs> horrifying that, idea. This was the thing. <laughs> this was the thing that was giving you the motivation. To, yeah. This was getting you pumped, and you took it out right before you go out to fight. That's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. So I try to hype myself up in my own head and and just listen to the crowd, listen to the people yelling, the the coaches screaming, the the fans. Um, this is what makes me feel anxious, like in a good way. So when it comes to the actual uh, the match itself, when you you know you step on and you know the ref ref calls you onto the mat, you step on, you slap hands. Um, are you one of those guys? You just go out there and you just like, I'm gonna try to take this guy out as quickly as possible so I can rest as much as possible for the next one. Or do you like to feel the guy out and use the first match as a warm up or what? Yeah, I don't. I try not to completely blow my wad on the first match, right? Because, but it happens. It mm-hmm. happens. Like, and the the you problem, can only control so much, right? Right. Yeah. If if he comes at you 100 percent the way Chase did at me this morning, <laughs> you have to match that. Yes. You have to. Um, if you lose your first match, you go home, and so it doesn't. If you if you spend all your energy to win that first match, it's not in vain. Like you need to win that match, otherwise you're done. There's mm-hmm. no second chance. You lose, you go home. So yeah, I think it's. I think. It's, I think what's most important is that you do a really hard warm-up in the warm-up area with a teammate. Like, do a match. Not a 10-minute match. Do three-minute matches. But do a real match. Like, mm-hmm. really, really try to go after each other. You know, like... Do you try and get that adrenaline dump early before that first match then? Is that the idea? To really get a sweat in, to get your heart going? You, you want to get the... Yeah, you want to jack your heart rate. You want to blow out the lungs mm-hmm. and get your heart rate up as high as you can. And you want beads of sweat dripping down your face. This is... This is when you're ready. This is when you're warm, right? You're never warm if you go to training. You're not warm the first round. You're not even warm the second round. The third round, you're probably warm. And yeah, that's, absolutely. Right? Like you, no, nobody goes in cold and just starts performing to the you know to no, the fullest, right? No. It takes it takes a while. As you like you say, it's like halfway through the training session, you're feeling really loose. Everything's moving. You kind of you know you, you, your brain is fully switched on. So yeah. it takes a while, right? It's very. I think a lot of people are too concerned with conserving their energy for the actual matches, so they don't want to have a hard warm up. Mm-hmm. But think about how you've been preparing for the past eight weeks. Yeah. You've probably been doing six, seven, eight rounds in the training room. So you're going to have four matches, maybe five. Right. You know, unless you're like blue belt middleweight, they have like seven. Six, seven, six, seven. occasionally, but usually six. Right. Yeah. But th- that's a normal training session, right? So you have the, if you prepared yourself, you have the energy to do a good warm up and get through your matches. If, so the, uh, the the whole thing about sort of the, the, the conserving the energy and the pacing yourself and stuff, you um, kind of going on from that, the strategy, let's talk about that a little bit because you're you're a finisher. You know, yeah. you're a guy, you have a reputation. It's no secret what you like, okay? Yeah. Your, your name is attached to that very technique. Yeah. Um, but sometimes you, you kind of, you meet somebody and you think, shit, they know what I'm going for. It's going to be more difficult to get it. Yeah. Do you, uh, how much do you game plan for the guy in front of you? All I need to know is whether they want to be on top or bottom. 
That's it. This is what's most important to me. I just need to know, is he a wrestler who wants to be on top? Am I going to have to take him down? Or is he a guard puller? And I and I just need to be prepared for him to pull guard and, and I can accept my top position. So you're not looking at him and thinking, oh, yeah, this guy, spider guard player, blah, blah, blah. Left side, Delaheva is going to be dangerous. Or not he's that detail. No, no, you just. I just need to know if they're on top, top, if they like to be on top or on bottom. And if they have like a, if they have a, a niche technique, uh, I need to know what that is. Right. You know, like uh, I knew Adam was going to play butterfly guard against me. Um, I knew Thor was going to try to leg lock me. Mm-hmm. Like as long as I have a general understanding of their basic strategy, then I feel like I'm prepared enough. What about adjustments? Like you faced Mateus Denise several times of your career. You know, what do you take away from a match, win or lose, that you use to apply in a future match? So what I've learned from Mateus is that I need to not get frustrated with our lack of inactivity. I just need to stay the course, right? If I stay the course with Mateus, I usually win, right? If I just don't get concerned with being exciting, don't be concerned with penalties. If I want to win against Mateus, I need to just focus on winning. It's when I get frustrated with the the lack of action or if I'm I, I'm trying to make it a more exciting match or if I want to try a new strategy, which mm-hmm. I tried twice and it didn't work, mm-hmm. right? I didn't stick to my my A game, mm-hmm. right? I, I, I deviated. I pulled guard. I tried a technique that I'm not normally trying and it failed and I lost and that's what it is. So, Because Mateus is extremely, he's extremely defensive and extremely solid, right? It's like, he's, he's like banging your head against a brick wall. Yeah, right? and he won't so. deviate from his game plan. Well, I think and he's I smart did. enough to have, you know, he's faced you enough times now. He knows that if he opens up, Right. He's probably going to get caught by something. Yeah, right? the first time that we faced each other at Nogi Worlds 2016, he ended up pulling guard in mm. the last minute, and that's when I capitalized, and that's when I won. I won in the last 30 seconds of the match because he deviated from his plan. Mm. He tried to do something different because we were we were being super boring. We were forehead to forehead for 10 minutes almost. There was a few scrambles, but no one solidified anything. He almost got behind me with a, a duck under one time, and. And I almost got his head in a snap down one time, but that was it. We we scrambled out of it, and it became both a stand. We got back to our feet and more forehead to forehead action. And I think towards the end, he tried to make something happen by pulling guard, and that's when I capitalized. And the same thing happened inversely recently. Is like nothing was happening at Kasai. Um, the referee warned us, like, "Hey, come on, like guys, let's try, it. let's go for it," you know. So I was like, "Okay, it's my turn to go for it. I'll try something," and it didn't work out, and he won. And, uh, you know, it sucks, but... Strategically, it didn't work in your favor. But you mentioned something interesting to me yesterday, just when we were chatting about that match in particular, about how you had it in mind as well that you knew that it wasn't just a case of winning a gold medal or a tournament. It wasn't... It was a super fight, and you felt yeah. like a certain responsibility. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think tournaments and, and super fight pro events... Are, are are very different. Like in a tournament, <clears throat> excuse me, you got to do what you got to do to win. Okay, um, in a in a super fight pro event, you're there to put on a show. You're there to be entertaining. You're there to go for it. You're there. You know they're paying you for your services, and your services are exciting jujitsu. Right? They're not paying you for boring jujitsu. They're paying you for exciting jujitsu. And in the IBJJF, I don't feel an obligation to be exciting. Right, I don't feel I. I just I'm there to win. I'm there to get through that round and on to the next round. And if it happens in an exciting way, great. And if it happens in a boring way, so be it. Um, <clears throat> but at Kasai, 
the match was becoming quite boring and it was very typical of us to be forehead to forehead and not be doing anything. So I thought, man, I, I and I thought about this before the match. I thought if, if it's boring, I'm going to try something different in the last minute. I tried it. It didn't work out. Do I regret it? Yes and no. Sometimes yes, sometimes no. Um, I don't regret going for it. I just regret, I, I regret what I decided to do. I should have tried something different. Right. I needed to do something. It was the last minute. Something needed to happen. For those who haven't seen it, you tried a... Uh, I tried a flying arm. Flying arm. Yeah. But, and I've done them before. Pretty risky technique. <laughs> yeah. Like I did it with Adam Wheeler, um, but Adam is very big and strong and I had a lot to hold on to. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know? And uh, I don't think... It was... I was pretty tired at the end of that match with Mateus. Um and I think I just lost my grips on him, you know. And he's a very explosive guy. So when he ripped out of it, he just ripped out of it clean. And his pulling of the arm over rotated me, so and that's why I landed like on my neck. Straight yeah. on the neck, right? That looked like a nasty. Fall. Yeah, I th- like how bad was it? At the moment, I didn't. I I didn't feel any pain. Right. Um, and but then were you like seeing stars or anything? I was the- no, no, maybe a. No, no stars, nothing like that. But I was confused about yeah. where we were because I thought. <laughs> That's terrifying. <laughs> yeah. No, I thought um, he, you know, when, when it when it all settled, he came out of the front headlock position, yeah. right? And then he spun behind me, and I thought, oh shit, he's spinning behind me. I can't let him get two points. So I picked my knee up off the mat, thinking that he would get two points if he got behind me, but he wouldn't have because I was the guard puller. Right. But I didn't process that in the yeah, moment and yeah. i thought oh shit he's gonna get two points take your knee off the mat and then he put the hooks in uh and then i got you know my back taken so but i don't know why i thought that i would i would think i was just dazed and confused and i thought him getting behind me was going to give him two points but it wouldn't because i pulled i think the what you're saying there about that responsibility to entertain and the the mentality that, that you should have if you're going to go into a super fight um do you think that's an issue? Do you think that maybe that some people are just too concerned with winning and maybe a little less concerned? Because professional jiu-jitsu relies on people Exciting putting on matches. a good show, yeah, right? right. And, and I know that, of course, athletes, they're not going to you know, put themselves in a position where they just like throw it all away. Right. But they need to open up, right? I think they should, yeah. yeah. I think um – you know, they gave us even the rules meeting. They were, they were, they said, guys, like we, we need a show. Like we want to see submissions. We want to see attacks. And, and I'm, I'm all for this. And, and, uh, I felt I, I just, it was my first time in Kasai also, you know? Right. And I didn't want to like leave a bad impression. I didn't Not want getting to get invited back. Yeah. Right. I don't want to stay forward to forehead with, with someone for 10 minutes. Like it's super boring. I, I, I'm embarrassed when that, ma- when those types of match happen. Like I just, I feel guilty. Like I feel like, and you know, we've seen it actually, right. Time and time again, it, Sometimes the more disparaging comments that we see, uh, uh, well, why is that guy getting invited back? You know, yeah. it's like, well, because win or lose, they're exciting to watch, you right. know, and there are tons of people who are going out there and maybe their record is a little more mixed, uh, but you see them on fight to win every other week or something, and they'll be competing and win one week and lose the next, and then back again and they'll do it again. But Generally, people want to tune in to watch them, right? Yeah, they're going for it. You so, got to respect that. So the athletes need to understand that if if they want to have that option, if they want to be competing on the pro stage, then it's it's a it's a definite shift in attitude towards yeah. what they do in a tournament context. Well, right? I do think it's the the big dilemma in pro jiu-jitsu, right? Because to me, and this is debatable, but jiu-jitsu is about control, 
And control isn't always exciting, you know. That might mean like grinding it out on top and slowly getting the pass, and that could be a four or five minute <laughs> sequence. But pro jiu-jitsu is supposed to be exciting and flair, and you know, getting the submissions out of nowhere. But that really isn't some people's game, and so that's why different organizations have kind of gamified the rules a bit, like EBI being the most obvious example of starting on the back. What do you think about rules really dictating the excitement of a match? You know, like instead of taking okay. it out of the hands of the athletes yeah. and putting it into the... So let me ask you this. Do you believe fight to win matches are generally more entertaining than IBJF matches? Depends on the competitor, obviously. It does, yeah. but generally. Um, because the rules should influence the style of the competitor. Right, and do we see that change? Do we see that shift? Um, for me, not enough. <laughs> for me to say an absolute definitive yes, not enough. I think that you know that that the point system, and you've talked about this really well in the past, that the incentive to improve your position and to advance your game and to to dominate their opponent by an increasing number of points for a, each position that you secure, uh, that should theoretically lead to a position to finish the match is a pretty good incentive to go out there and to do that. There's also the incentive that you know that you can win on scraping by an advantage. But then to use the example of submission only, you will see guys do very little for maybe uh, seven, eight minutes and then just throw up a shitty footlock and like, ah, yeah. it's it's the it's the winning yeah. by advantage equivalent of submission only, yeah. you know? Yeah. But then there are other guys who'll go out and they'll throw the kitchen sink at the dude and right. they'll just be like, I'm gonna get you whatever means possible. So right. it's not an easy answer, right? I right. think that the, the, the rule set doesn't necessarily um, dictate because ultimately it's in the hand of the athlete. Right. So. But so so you don't believe, based on what you said, is is that people are employing the exact same strategy they do in the IBJJF where they try to steal an advantage at the last second. They do that in fight to win also where they, they're trying to some people they're do. trying to steal sure. the invisible advantage in the referee's mind. Yeah. Before yeah. the last you know thirty seconds of the match ends. It happens. Yeah, for um, sure. <clears throat> So I wouldn't say it's a, 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 a huge problem. I wouldn't say no, it's massively no, no. prevalent no. or anything. I'm not, I'm not saying that either, but, no. I, but I see it happen. Yeah. So sometimes so I, I understand what Seth tried to do, and I think a lot of people don't understand what Seth tried to do with his event. It's like he's trying to release you as a competitor. He's trying to free you from the constraints right. of points. Right. So that you can just if you see that submission for one second, you can jump on it and you can go for it without worrying that you're going to lose by two points. Because and even if the guy passes your guard, it doesn't, doesn't matter. matter. It doesn't matter because you had that submission attempt. Yeah. yeah. It, so he's trying to to release the inner beast in these athletes. The problem is the athletes are so obsessed with winning that they want to play a safe game and they want to try to play that. Like, I'm going to steal the la advantage of the last second strategy. And this is not what fight to win is all about mm -hmm. i think if people can release themselves from that i need to win even if it's just by a fraction margin and just just go and try to have fun just go out there and try to do it we've actually got fight to win playing just as we're talking right here you can see it up on the screen right there it's your yes, most yeah. recent match with marillo santana uh, yeah, see, i see and I, I felt bad about that match it wasn't very entertaining hey uh, ryan can you pull up the match maybe with uh arnaldo that was a great match right? yes yeah, so that was a good example of of arnaldo oliveira just kind of cutting remember the fight to win number it, was, it wasn't that long ago. It was pre-ADCC, right? It was. Yeah, to see if you can find ADCC. that. Joshing at Arnaldo Oliveira, fight twin. That was in Seattle. Yeah, that was a real it fun might have been, one. It might have been 28. That that was a good example of you like just, just cut loose, constantly yeah, just let just it go. chasing after it, right? Yeah, yeah. I just I just was nonstop for eight minutes. I just was going to grab anything I could grab. 
Um, maybe with Marilla was being Marilla did a really great job of of standing in a way that took away all my favorite positions. Really, right? He, he's he, so smart. He's a great strategist. He is, and he I really knew he is. would be. And even I talked to him afterwards, and I and I mentioned that to him. I said, "Man, your strategy, you changed it significantly." Mm. And he just looked at me and he goes, "Well, I'm not stupid." <laughs> 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 and I, you know, he's not stupid at all. Of course not. No. Um, I, I gotta say I respect Murillo so much yeah. as a competitor because he is uh, he's technically he's phenomenal right he has an amazing game yeah. but like you say strategically as well it's uh, he, he can just he can do so much without doing anything almost right makes sense I didn't realize how flexible he was oh yeah super flexible yeah he's got he can yeah. throw that he can throw his hamstring almost behind his ear yeah, yeah. it's crazy yeah I didn't realize that because he's not a small guy yeah. no he's not um, I like Merlo a lot. Great um, coach too, and he's he's like one of the last of uh, of that generation. Mm. He's one of those the last of the OGs that are still actively competing. You know, a lot of people from his generation have retired. Mm. True, but he's still in there. You he's know? still in there in the adult division. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, um, yeah. But that was not. I, I I was probably. I think we both were a bit more conservative for that match. Um, I was being careful because he was baiting his lead leg, uh, his left leg, and that's the leg I snagged. Ooh, his match in Ronaldo, by yeah. the way. Sorry. So he was baiting that lead leg, which is what, that's how he caught me last time. As I as he had that leg forward, I grabbed it. I went to his back. We got into a hot scramble, went out of balance. We came back in, standing up again, and I did the exact same thing again. I grabbed his lead leg, and then he snapped the head down and guillotined me. That was 2016 Worlds, right? Yeah, Open Class. Yeah, because that's the year you won your first World yeah. Rugby title. Yeah, and yeah. actually, Marilla was in the weight class. Um, Who did he lose to? He he missed weight. Oh. Yeah, he missed the weight, and then he signed up for the open class. But he was signed up for my division. Wow! And he made it through to the final that year against Yuri Samoyes. Yeah, and it was a ref decision with Yuri. Mm. Yeah, that's crazy. Wow, that so, was a wild tournament because that was um, obviously that's a really extremely memorable one for you as, yeah. your, as your first World Nogi title. But yeah. tell us a little bit about the, that day because it was a um, it was a some of a roller coaster yeah right? so that the reason actually um, that day stands out in my mind because as we were talking about. Uh, the morning of preparation, right? Competition day, like morning routines as I, I completely botched my morning. <laughs> I came in super late um, because we had our whole team up there. We were in like two vans. Drove all the way yeah. up from San Diego. 11 right? hours. Yeah. We drove two vans oh, with 15 people in each van. Wow. And we were all in the same hotel. And of course we had problems like what time is the van going to leave because mm -hmm. everyone's competing at a different time. So I went in the second van and I thought I had enough time and, and the van pulls up and, and then there's, of course, there's a really long registration line and I did not account for this. Like, nice. I, I just cut the line. I had to. <laughs> and because um, sometimes they have a black belt line. Sometimes they don't. True. I think at that time they didn't. And um, I just had to cut the line because it was getting so close. And actually, right when I walked into the venue, they were announced. They're calling my name on this loudspeaker. Like I was up, ready to go. Like, Josh, come t to the bullpen now. I didn't even check my weight or anything. But luckily, I was already five pounds under. I, right. I was severely underweight for that division, so I wasn't too concerned with that. But I didn't get a warm-up at all. I, wow. I got breakfast. That's good. I had coffee. Good. Was the coffee digested? Probably not. Was it breakfast digested? No. But I ran into the bullpen, and I remember I was sitting there. I was thinking, man. And this guy, he had already had a one match. I had a bye. So he had a round already. He was hot. Do you remember who he was? Yeah, he was from Hebrew. What's his name? Um, He's from Oklahoma. Hebrew okay. Jiu-Jitsu. Not, not a Lovato, but Stephen Patterson. Nope. No. Okay. No, he's Caprito. Oh, got it. That'll come to me. Yeah. Um, but he already had it. He had had a match already. So he he was warm. He was hot. Coming off a win, 
he's got motivation he's feeling good and i was cold turkey you know and I, I was like man i didn't get the warm-up at all i was in that bullpen I, I walked over the mat i did a couple of stretches a couple of yoga stretches twist twist i was like all right well here we go <laughs> let's see what happens <laughs> and I, I just told myself i was gonna i was just gonna be really chill the first three minutes you know hand fight a little bit hang on the head and just kind of allow myself to warm up to the match Nice. Um, luckily, I won. Hey, uh, Ryan, see if you can pull up. Uh, what, which match should we pull up from that, that one? That was Maybe the quarterfinals. The, should we pull up like the uh, the Kitdale match? That was a fun one, right? Was it? Was I, it? No, I, hang I on, wait. Was, that was a different year. That was kind Sorry. of boring. Yeah, no, I'm thinking of the one from 2017, 18, 2017. Right. 2017 was when I was at middleweight. That's right, yeah. No, hang on, wait. Was the year that you finished Kit? 2018. I no, actually didn't finish him. I had him yeah. wrapped up in a guillotine when time ran oh, out. Oh, he ran out of time. Mm-hmm. Oh, of I time. thought that was a tap. Okay. I mean, maybe he tapped right at the buzzer. Okay. Well, which match? <laughs> Let's pull up a match from actually, any did, of your actually, world, did tap any back. of your world no gi uh, championships. Is a good one to pull up. We can just run it through while we're chatting. We can pull up one of yours with Dante. There's a couple good scraps. Yeah, let's see. Look at that one. That was a really close one. That was a ref decision. There you go. Dante Josh Hinga, Dante yeah. Leon, Dante's, Dante's got a lot of momentum see, right get now. That one up, yeah, he's so. killing it, especially in no gi. I think he's really fun. To I like Dante a lot. He's a cool dude. He's awesome, man. And uh, he's he's coming off some big wins. So he finished Izaki right at fight to win. By guillotine. With a guillotine, yeah. yeah. After after he had me at his academy for a seminar. Oh, uh, really? No way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Coincidence. No, I, made I, the seminar, I did the seminar at their academy in like 2017 or 18 or something. It was a while ago. But I remember you saying um, that because you fought Dante at the Chicago Open like a while No, way it was back. American Nationals. Oh, sorry. American Nationals. Yeah, American way Nationals. Back. And then you fought him again at Nogi Worlds uh, last year. Right. And you felt like a He was a completely different right? grappler. Huh. Yeah, he was completely different. Um, I, that, I, that, it, did that throw you off? Because you know when you go up against somebody once and you think, you, okay, I kind of know what to expect. Yeah, it's very difficult to beat someone the same way multiple times. Right, right. Like they learn about your jujitsu. They know how you feel. They understand your pressure. They know what to expect, and they're better prepared for you. You want the one from Nogi World? Yeah, yeah, it was the semifinals. But so it was the it was uh, it was it was Nogi Open Class American Nationals and. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I, I, I think I won pretty decisively. I think I ended up uh, on his back and with a rear naked choke. But, and then um, it was after 2017. Then he, yeah, him and Gutenberg invited me to their academy. I ran the whole seminar at their academy. And then I was thinking to myself, like, oh, I hope I don't have to fight Dante again anytime soon because he, li- I literally just showed him all of my A game, oh, like no everything. I didn't hold anything back. I showed them everything. Hmm. It was a great seminar too. They packed the room. Vitor Oliveira showed up with some students. Oh, that's like, cool. Yeah, Gutenberg supported. Like, I actually, I crashed in Gutenberg's room. He was out of town. <laughs> I just want to like thank those guys because it was a, it was a great time. Yeah, that's cool. It, I think it's really cool when when competitors are cool enough and open enough, open-minded enough to invite a fellow competitor to their academy to teach. Right. Like that says a lot about their character. Yeah. Like you're you're a solid dude. Yeah. Like no ego there at all. Yeah. Because, you know, this... They're putting money in my pocket and I'm fighting these guys. Well, that's what (laughs) I'm trying to say is that, you know, some, some people could maybe get a little bit like, let's say protective yeah. uh, because some guys, they hate other people seeing what they're doing in the gym. Yeah. They hate things like, you know, oh, the guy's going to see all my secrets, you know? And, and then yeah, you go to a competitor's Two gym, competitors. I two fought Kuhnberg and Dante. And you go to this rival team and you go to the gym yeah. and you show them your techniques. That's, that's remarkable. But also, you know, they're, they're cool enough guys that you're willing to do that, right? Yeah, so. they invited me out. They paid me. They gave me money to like teach jujitsu at their academy. Like that's great. Like I, I really, I was really thankful for that. That's really cool. You know, and it's not too many. It's not too often that I, come, I get invited by people who I compete against. Yeah. You know, that doesn't happen very often. 
But the, uh, the match with Dante then, we got it playing here. The so this was after the seminar. Yeah, so I taught that seminar at his academy wow. in 2017. And this was, yeah, this was middleweight semifinals 2017. He's got that really tricky guard, right? Yeah, he got so under me. He got under me a few times. He's good at that. That's the thing. People see Dante and they think, oh, he's this little powerhouse. No, no, he's, he's super flexible. Really good bottom game. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's got a great guard. So how did you approach it then? How did you, uh, you like, you know what he's going to do? Well, right? I was so. trying to play the same game that I played on him the first time, which is just kind of like let him set up daily Heva. Uh -huh. And I was going to try to pressure into him and make him tired and then uh -huh. eventually pass the guard. And, and I would hope to take his back. I would assume he will turn. Um, yeah, but I was having a hard time getting like, getting around his guard. He he kept on throwing that uh, the calf slicer in there and working towards my back and getting underneath me and playing some X guard. And uh, there were some situations that I was like, I think this was I have a good pic a picture from the situation where <laughs> he's underneath me and my legs are kind of split and uh, and Gavaz yelling at me and I'm like. <laughs> I'm like, what? What do I do? Like, I was pretty sure any way that I move, I'm I'm screwed. Yeah. Um, there was you're a, not a very leggy grappler, are you? No, even I, from top, and not just from talking about your guard, but a lot of people, you know, from top, they'll do things like leg weaving and so on and different stuff. You, you, you're all about that. I'm all about the pythons. <laughs> I, just got this, I got these, these weapons. I gotta, <laughs> gotta use what I got. No, um, I, you're not talking about leg attacks per se. You're no, just talking I'm not about talking like, about using like your leg legs. Work. Even from yeah, leg work. Even even from top, you'll see yeah, a lot of guys. Really. They'll use like you know intricate footwork and stuff to pass the guard. But you you no, I'm like head grab. down. I'm like more of a head down, mm -hmm. like put pressure. My legs are simply a driving force. I mm -hmm. push them on the mat and do, and develop pressure. And where does that come from? You think? It was Galvao. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's just Galvao style jiu-jitsu. <laughs> like, he's just all about head, shoulder down, and get up on your toes and hips off the mat and just like put that lean on them, you know, and just that's how you grind someone down, make them tired. Just just keep leaning on them. What's his pressure like? It's awful. Awful? It's, it's horrible, yeah. Really? It's horrible. If he just gets the grip that he needs, you're done. Like that you have to just not let him get that grip that you know, like the the pant and the collar just if he does that you're done. And he'll just start putting that he'll he's really good at changing sides, you know, left, mm -hmm. right, left, right, left, right. And this is very difficult to deal with and it's exhausting. What I really like about Galvao is that as he's uh, as he's gotten older, his game has evolved and is is adapted around you know, yeah. the limitations that come with age, right? Um, because he was so agile when he was young, right? He was so dynamic, so flexible. He's he was jumping just, all over the place. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. He was just like a little monkey, ba 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 all over the place. Um and Truth is, you slow down as you get older, yeah, right? Yeah. Uh, but he's still he's still got that misdirection and the, like you say, the changing sides and stuff. Yeah, you saw him on Penna. Oh yeah, he was changing sides back and forth, and yeah. and he kept moving. He did not slow down. He was less jumpy. Right. He was more exactly calculated, less acrobatic. Right. But it's still the same principle. Yeah. Right? A lot of a lot of shin cutting and knee sliding and and just changing directions. And and you just saw him. He wore Penna down. Just, mm. just kept that pace on him. Kept changing sides. And like man, when you're constantly pummeling your legs and turning this side and this side and hip escape and hip escape, the core gets tired. It always Stop. blows me away uh, before we, we, we jump off of ADCC, like the Galvao's work rate uh, and how prepared he is, is I think one of a kind. Yeah, like, it's ridiculous. You, you watch his Instagram at, at, during camp and he'd be lifting at 6 a.m. Then he'd be at the class at 9 a.m. Then he'd be teaching. Then he'd be lifting again, maybe. Then he'd be doing another round. It's like this guy doesn't do anything else. Yeah, his yeah. work ethic blew me away. Really yeah. did. I mean, he just shut himself out from... from work for four months like he didn't teach a single class or anything he wow he didn't run the comp classes he was he shows up to the comp class he's a student 
we had singular we, focus we put four months yeah, we just put, that one match him and coach fred would sit down and they design the entire camp before the camp starts right the whole thing you set every schedule you pick all the rest days you pick all the days you need off and then you, you put the work days together right and once it's developed you stick to it right you fulfill the schedule he says it all the time he's like guys make sure you fulfill the schedule it doesn't have to be his schedule but you got to make your own schedule and whatever it is you write it down and do it you don't just like flake out halfway through no, yeah. you write it down you say look okay you, you you make your week schedule and you put down the most important things you have to do whatever that may be maybe it's kids time with your kids maybe it's work maybe it's whatever Put the most important things you need to put down and then build your workouts around that so you no longer have excuses. You uh, we just threw up a little uh, clip from the trailer there from the documentary that we made back in 2015. Inside Atos. I was watching uh, that the other day. Oh, really? I saw it pop up in my feed. I think someone shared it or something. Yeah. Wow, people still digging it yeah. all this time. It's, it was I'm, good, man. It was good. The trailer was so good, too. I, I, saw, I saw the trailer and I was like, oh, I got to watch this again. Yeah. <laughs> this is good. Because it wasn't, it was around the time, I guess, that, um, I guess we made the documentary after his super fight with Cyborg in 2015. Um, We came to the the gym after he defended his super fight title. Uh, Sorry, no, he won the super fight for the first time in 2015. You guys released that video the week before Nogi World 2015. Right. right? Uh, But remember, he was prepping for, uh, to fight Homolo, Homolo. Burkut. Yeah. Yeah. And right. uh, it was that moment in, right. the, in the documentary yeah. where Brandon Vera's in the room. Yeah, oh, and yeah. Stuff. so gnarly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I look like a wild camp. That was, I think, one of the very first, that was the first training camp that we hosted in that gym. We had, really? just, we had just switched to the gyms and we had just put those masks down. And I, I think, honestly, we, we probably, that was probably the first week in that gym or something, I remember. That was the first training session we had there. Wow. Reed has a great story about um, being in the room during that training session and kind of being up against the wall, like the mats and just filming and just like getting completely taken out by guys coming at him. Because, yeah. And I think that was the moment that he realized that, uh, okay, I'm in their space now. I need to respect what these guys are doing and move out of the, yeah, way, get out of the way. They're not going to give a shit about me. Stop. So Yeah, no. yeah the, the level of com- competitive roles is, uh, is extreme. Like, is there like a rule or anything about you know giving way in the in the gym? Because in, in crowded rooms and you guys are busy, right? Yeah. There's so many guys, even with the expanded mat yeah, space. Yeah, we've already guys. grown the gym. Yeah, again, it's, it's again. Yeah, it's, you, it's wow. already packed. But I mean, you've got obviously a limited amount of space, and you can do that by cycling in different groups at different times yeah. and stuff. But yeah. at the same time, you're going to get close to each other. Yeah, what's what's the rule other. for like kind of like who gets right of way? Yeah, we don't have the I'm a black belt, get out of my way rule. Because you're all black belts. We don't have that rule, yeah. <laughs> um, and, and, and to be honest, Galvao is just, he's just a, a good guy and doesn't believe that anyone is more special than anyone else. Right, he, it doesn't matter what belt you are. He, you need to be respectful and stay in your place, stay in your lane. Mm-hmm. Um, so we we don't really, and to be honest, I I don't really abide by the rule because sometimes like I, someone, but it's all about who invaded whose spot. If you're training here and they're training there, and they go into your turf, you need to go back to yours. Got it. Right, wherever you started, that's your spot. Right, and if you're the invader, you need to stop and move. There are certain situations where like okay, if it's two black belts and they're in a very complicated situation. And it's difficult to move. Maybe, and the other two are just in closed guard. Let them have it. It's a much simpler reset. Right. Just roll yourself over and reset. Right. You know, it doesn't really matter. Um, sometimes I, I pull rank, even though I'm not supposed to. I'm just like, <laughs> okay, go, get out of here. Yeah. Um, 
but I try not to. Do you think to. that that could be mitigated by you know wrestling rooms? They have the rings actually like. Oh, we got uh, Reed. We got Reed and Josh oh, rolling up. Oh, look at that this throwback! Is, this is the end throwback. of 2016. That's before Reed had long hair. It yeah, was. it is. Wow. But you know, wrestling rooms they have like the the, yeah, the, the circles. actual circles yeah. on the mat, so you know where you are. You know right. out of bounds, right? Right. So if you look at the mats on on these clips, you see we have the blue and the black. Right? Is that a competition size? No, it's just it's a half mat shy. Oh, so wow. you know, in, in the IBJJ competition square, the center square is two mats, mm -hmm. two full rectangles. Yep. The centers of these are a half, ah. a half of a mat. So it's, so it's a it's, one by one meter for you people who understand metric. Yeah, like, we're those missing mats are two meters by one. Right. right? Yeah, it's we're like, we're missing a half mat extension on two sides. It's like six three six feet by three feet, something like that, right? Each mat. So. It's almost a competition mat, but no. Well, that's nice because you know it shows you got enough space so you can simulate that. But, but we we changed the mats recently. Now it's uh, all it's all blue. It looks good. And then yeah, the it white looks really walls. Nice. Yeah. yeah, it definitely reflects the light better. Mm, yeah. So you get better video quality, better picture quality. Smart. Um, but I liked having the competition squares. Mm -hmm. The problem is in a very very crowded room. Uh, people tend to want to be in the center of the square. You're right. Right? And so now you have people kind of crashing into each other because everyone's – you just feel some kind of natural instinct that you want to put yourself inside the square. You don't want to roll on the black border right there. You see the black mat? Mm -hmm. And um, so Gaval thought it would be better for a crowded room to have no – uh, variation in color. Got it. That everyone can just roll every, everywhere and no one feels obligated to start in the center of the square. I like the squares for a competition training, um, but the business isn't competition training based. It's it's about students. And I love that training. sequence you just ran through there, by the way. You were just, it went, it went, Dastro, Guillotine, Monoplata, Armbar. It's, uh, <laughs> it's, it's, it, it, it looks complicated, but it's actually it's a really natural flow, yeah, right? Yeah, they all flow into each other yeah. based, on the, and, and based on the movements of the opponent. Oh, did we just get two <laughs> points? Did we just that's score take that? That's not two. <laughs> <laughs> He's trying his best, though. I, li I like how Reed's not here and we're showing this footage. That's, that's not two. That's the way to do that's this. That's not two. Oh, I got on top. Nice. I wanted to piggyback actually off, off of the story of Reed filming and, and realizing he's in, in, a, in a pro training session. Josh, you just started doing um, kind of a remote consultation business of sorts where guys yeah. will call, will hit you up and ask for comp training preparation. Right. There's usually, you were telling me, a moment of realization that. Oh, this is a bit different. You know, what am I talking about here? What what, what it's, happens? It's, it's more intense than I think people realize. I think I think a lot of people think they know what uh, what it takes to prepare for a competition appropriately, and I think they're vastly underestimating what it's required. Um, so, like, I used to think I understood what good competition preparation was. Okay, like when I was teaching jujitsu in Arizona, I was the head instructor. Mm -hmm. Right, I was a purple or brown belt uh, days. And I thought doing five rounds of six minutes was tough. I thought that was a good session. It's not. That's about half. It's about half of what you should be doing. And not including strength and conditioning, right? Mm -hmm. So for people who and, and I had and when you were talking about like you were shocked at like how much you see Galval work, right? Mm -hmm. I was shocked also when I when I first arrived in San Diego. I like I couldn't believe that these guys would have a training session, take one hour off to eat shower, hydrate, and then go go to the gym and lift weights. I was just blown away. I couldn't believe it. I was like, how the, f the fuck do you guys do this? Like, <laughs> this is crazy. Like, my body hurts so bad. But over the time, over years, I started, I would do it. I would start adding in some weightlifting sessions, and it just takes some adaptation. It takes time. It takes a lot of rest. 
Mm -hmm. Um, You're going to feel terrible sometimes. You're going to feel like you're overdoing it. And maybe sometimes you are overdoing it. But if you just build it up slowly, you'll get there. Stick to the plan. Yeah, just stick to the schedule. Like write it down, write down the schedule and, and some, you know, don't go from zero to a hundred right. like you did. <laughs> you got to build up. Yeah, right? build yeah. yourself up to it. Yeah. If you go too hard too soon, you're going to get injured. You're going to get sick. But what people think is a hundred is actually nothing near. It's no. like their idea of what is a hundred is probably 15. 10 or 15. Yeah, it's, like, it's low. Yeah. It's low. Yeah. yeah. I was, like, like I said, I was shocked when I first went to autos the first couple times, like back when Liera was a purple belt and Rolando Samson was a blue belt. Wow. And I was a brown belt. And uh, I saw how much these guys were training. It was like training session, weightlifting session, drilling session, evening session, four sessions. And I just couldn't believe it. Um, and my body was hurting so bad. But um, And at first, I couldn't do all of it. I, I, I did too much. The first time I went to Atos, I hurt myself. Mm-hmm. I, I think I bruised something internally, like Jeez. my stomach or my spleen or something. I had this really awful stomach pain, and I couldn't do the evening session. I just I went too hard too soon. Oh, my God. And this happens a lot with the visitors that come to Atos. They go too hard too soon. They try to do the 7 a.m. class, the 9 a.m. class, the comp class. You know, you get excited. You want to, like, do jiu-jitsu. You're finally in the mecca of jiu-jitsu, and you want to just go all out. Yeah, but for sure. It's a mistake. You have to build yourself up to these this type of training. So it's taken me years, you know, to get to the point where I can train, lift, and train in the same day and not feel like garbage because of it. I uh, I remember years ago, um, back before Flow, when I was making my independent videos, BJJ Hacks, and um, I did a video with Galvao and... <laughs> Amon Limos, the co-founder of Atos, yeah. and together they were the guys that uh, that came up with the team, right? And 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 I think people forget Hamon because you know he's he's a coach, he's not a competitor, he's very much on the sidelines, yeah. and also he he uh, is still living in in United Arab Emirates. Yeah, he's in Emirates. He's, he's, he's still there, right? He's coaching the national team. Yeah, he's yeah. been there for a while. Yeah. He's, been, he's been there for a few years now. But I of think, course, I think they take pretty good care of him. Oh yeah. yeah, but I mean, he's doing wow. He's doing great. He's yeah. doing amazing work with the national team, uh, especially the youth. But uh, a lot of people don't realize that he was the Mendez brothers' coach. Yeah, like white through black. Yep. Right. I mean, like phenomenal coach. Like yeah. really created two of the best competitors. His just was phenomenal. Ever seen, but just not a competitor himself. Right. 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 But anyway, I got chatting to those guys, and I made the video, and and you know, Hamon said something during that interview that I f- I sort of I thought. Really? Because I couldn't quite get my head around it, but you just laid it all out. He said that the Atos recipe for success is simple. That it was it was eat, sleep, train, minimum three times a day. That's yeah. it. And it's like, I was like, at the time, I was like, surely that's not possible. But from what you've just said, it absolutely is. It is possible. Right. It's just, it's very difficult to do if you're not, if you don't adapt to it slowly. Yeah. If you just try to change yourself And let's be honest, not everybody can do it. No. Not, not everybody can go through. Otherwise, there would be a world full of champions. Right. But it's only for a few, right? You need to understand your body. You need to understand when you're about to get sick or when you really – you need to understand the difference between discomfort from training hard and requiring a break. Oh, there's the video, by the way, of Ramon and Galvao training. So, Yeah. You got to – his jiu really is amazing. He's super fast. Like I really love Ramon. He's, he's great. They ran through some really cool drills here. He's a cool dude. And I remember I, I made this video and I put it up online and I went into the gym and and like black belts, really high level black belts in the room came up to me and they were like, 
we learned some stuff from yeah. that video and they started drilling yeah. it right Amon, there with that. And I was Amon like, that's really cool. <laughs> he, when he, he came, he came, he was at with us for about two months last year when he brought the, he brought the national He brought team. the squad. Yeah. yeah the I was actually there one time. I went to go for two Mike months. Perez. I walked in, I'm like, why are you and you guys? They were, yeah, <laughs> they were training for the Asian games. Wow. And um, I think they took second place as a team. But Look at young Galvao looks in that clip, by the way. They're going to, they're going to come back actually this, um, in 2020. They're that's gonna, cool. They're going to train again for the Asian games and they're going to stay with us for two months again. Wow. And that's I, awesome. It was so great to have them. We had Faisal there. Um, and all their guys are super tough. There was, there was really great training. Yeah, especially the uh, the color belts, right? The yeah. blues and purples. Yeah, they're amazing. Yeah, they're I think what a lot of people maybe don't understand about UAE is like, why aren't there more high level black belts competing, right? So the issue is this: is that Faisal is now master's age. You know, he's like thirty or over, right? And um, he's pretty much the only like big name black belt competing out of the UAE, and he's been around forever. But a lot of the kids, a lot of the let's call them the teens, the adolescents, you know, they are. They're pretty freaking good, you know. They've a lot of them have been doing it, you since know, since a, a small, yeah. you know, young age in school as yeah. part of the school system, and then what happens is they go off and they start, um, they start, basically, they have to do national service. So every every male, Two years. adult male, has to go off and go join the army yeah. in the UAE. Yeah. And at that point, they're usually around about 18, 19 years of age. They're at like purple belt, and usually they're pretty solid. And then they take two years off mm. and they don't come back yeah. because why would you at that point, you yeah. know? So it's like, if that's, that kind of answers a lot of people there are, well, why don't they have more high level guys competing on the world stage? There's your answer. So I did the same thing. I took two years off at Blue Belt and I joined the Peace that, Corps. That's when you did the Peace Corps yeah. in Turkmenistan. Yeah. yeah. What was it like coming back from that long layoff then? It must've been kind of rough. I was very excited to get back on the mats. Well, I'm sure yeah. you did. <laughs> I was super excited. But to two again. years, no, no jujitsu for two years. Yeah. Like coming back after that, yeah, that's, that's I a, was completely depleted. Yeah. yeah, my body had just shrunk up. I had lost all muscles. Like literally starting from scratch. Were you doing yeah. any kind of athletic stuff over there? No, anymore? there's nothing to do. Yeah, I lived in a village, a dirt mud brick village, where I had to put a bucket down a well and pull up water, and there was worms in my water. Yeah, lovely. Like, yeah. Were you reconsidering your choices at that point? <laughs> no, I, I wanted an extreme experience, and I. Got exactly, you got it. I got yeah. exactly that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I was so happy to get back. Like it was that time away that made me realize how much I missed and loved jujitsu and how I really just want to do jujitsu and mm. and I needed that. So, you know, it sucks that I had to take two years off to do that. And I always wonder like how, what would my jujitsu be like now if I had that two years of training? Mm. But at the same time, if I didn't take that break, maybe I wouldn't be here. Wouldn't have committed. Maybe. Yeah, maybe I wouldn't have known how much I loved jujitsu and how much I needed it. Like you have to lose something to realize how much you appreciate it. Is there uh, any particular video you'd like us to pull up? Something of uh, of yourself, maybe from uh, that we've done any cool matches or any clips or highlights or anything? We got some. We can pull out some stuff, Ryan. Right? Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Josh. We've got a Ryan. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Don't ask it's me. Got the entire flow grappling library at your disposal. I don't feel like we even. We, I didn't even really get to watch any of the ones that were already up there. <laughs> it's been on while we've been talking. We just haven't been. Yeah. We've just been too busy talking. But uh, what about maybe one of your ADCC matches? Yeah, let's pull up that match with Adam. Oh yeah, Adam, Adam Wodzinski. Nice. Yeah, because he he gave me a good fight. So you were telling me uh, earlier, but you were kind of shocked by his. Yeah, he put me on the game, defense huh? for pretty much the first half of the match, and I just didn't expect that. Like, huh. And I came out. I came off. Uh, right into the match right off the bat like I, I attacked immediately because I knew he was going to pull guard so I tried to jump on his head right when he pulled guard and I and just start putting on the attacks immediately um, he did a really good job of hiding his chin from me like he kept it tucked to his shoulder really well mm. and it was very really difficult to get a good grip on it I was trying to like claw at his face <laughs> <laughs> oh, sometimes man. I put my finger in their mouth on accident 
Actually, oh, I actually, I actually, gross. I actually cut not a cut, but a scrape, a scratch on my finger from Mateus's tooth one time. Man, I remember you sent me the photos of your finger after that because uh, yeah, it got infected, up. right? Yeah, it blew up. Yeah, it looked. It was weird. Gross. Yeah, it was so weird how that. Oh happened. my god, it was so nasty. Yeah. yeah, but teeth, you know, teeth are so dirty, man. If you, if you guys, there's a lot of bacteria in the mouth. Yeah, right? if you guys get a cut from someone's tooth anywhere on your body, oh, you need out. to clean yeah. the fuck out of it. Yeah, Sorry, yeah. excuse me. Yeah, there we go. Oh, nice. Here we go. Did you go back to the This is the beginning or no? Yeah, 30 seconds seconds in. 30 seconds in. Yeah, I just jumped on his head right off the bat. Yeah, you did not waste any time. (laughs) His hair is wild. That's straight straight out of the 70s. (laughs) Best haircut of ABCC, (laughs) I think. I was sad because he he recently shaved the mustache. Yeah, (laughs) That thing was pretty awesome. Chase is now the uh, official flow grappling mustache aficionado, the specialist. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I like it. You know, and, and, and I like the ADCC rules because they really do favor the aggressor, right? If you're counter grappling, they, they think you're you're losing in their mm-hmm. eyes. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. If, you're, if you're waiting to defend and counter strike, you're losing. Well, ADCC is not a jiu-jitsu tournament. No. Right? And, and jiu-jitsu, um, that's probably one of the, the defining aspects of jiu-jitsu is the fact that you attack via defense. Right, you yeah. counter attack, yeah. and that's the whole point of jujitsu. Gentle way, it's like using the opponent's strength against them. It's it, it, it's it, traps. It, yeah, you use their traps. To yeah, finish yeah. Them Sometimes, but they. I mean, this is submission is, wrestling. Exactly, it's different. It's a wrestling tournament with submissions. It's a wrestling tournament there, with submissions. Take the guy out. So it's um it's a different, an entirely different mentality as well, right? Yeah, look, I, say, I almost passed his guard, and then he wow. hit that little hip switch and, yeah, and tilted me over. Nice. Popped you off, right? He did, yeah, he did a great job, and then uh, and then pretty much for the first next four minutes, he he kind of launches attacks at me and puts me on defense, and then I start realizing like I, I'm kind of losing right now. Like if it goes to a ref decision, I don't think I'm going to win. Um, that then, butterfly guard, the, the hook keeps sneaking yeah, into that hook. Yeah, it's very difficult well. to keep it out. Yeah, he's 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 very. Uh, he has a lot of dexterity in his legs. Man, you just don't see people playing that game anymore. I know. Right? It's, a little, it's a little blast from the past. Look, yeah. It'll come back. It always does. Mikey Musumeci said that he was thrown off in his match with Bruno Malfasini because Bruno was playing a lot of butterfly. Butterfly guard. And he's like, I've never even seen this before. Like, <laughs> <laughs> he, he told me he went home. And that, that, Mikey doesn't understand butterfly guard. Yeah, it's so funny. I was like, but, it's like, how do you bear and bowl someone when they're, they're butterfly, butterfly <laughs> yeah. guard against you? But how many people are using it regularly? Not like too many. Handful, yeah, it literally. was it was part of my A game when I was a purple belt. That's going back a while, right? Yeah, yeah. There it is. See that foot sneaking in again. He's yeah. trying to get it in there. Uses the knee shield, push away a little bit, try and stick that foot in on the on the hip. But yeah, Adam Adam's tough. Yeah, he, he, al- is. I, he almost he almost broke my arm. Like he he had my arm fully extended at one point, and I think it was just because we're. Maybe he's used to this attack right here where he isolates the arm. Oh, yeah. Did you see it? Yeah, they, they call it the, oh, uh, the violina in Portuguese. It's the straight, it's the straight arm bar, right? The reverse right. arm bar. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He'll get there. Um, and I think he's just used to doing it in the gi, so he has that friction, and he's able to hold on to it better. And then without the gi, it slipped out. I think, I think mm-hmm. that was really the problem. Just while this match is playing, let's just talk about your ADCC experience in general because, you know, obviously life dream for you. You, yeah. you won the trials Finally. earlier this year and pretty awesome fashion you yeah. know ton of submissions along the way yeah and then um you make it and you know you put in the work you do the camp alongside andre it must have been an incredible experience but then you're there tell us about it um to be honest i i didn't i felt very comfortable i was very at home um maybe it's because i'm surrounded by a bunch of people that i know you know like I, i'm pretty much friends with all the competitors i'm friends with all the promoters i pretty much know everyone there and um 
I, I you know, with all the media too, I'm friends with all the media and, and I was just very comfortable. I was very happy to be there. I didn't feel a lot of anxiety. I just felt excited. Wow. I was excited to be there. I was excited to, to do it. I was, I knew I was, I was prepared. I was ready. Um, I have no excuses to fall back on. Um, I have no excuses, even in my own mind. You know, sometimes people have excuses in their brain, but they mm-hmm. don't verbalize them. Right. I don't have any. I, I, you know, that I made one mistake in the match, and that's why I ended up taking third place. I mean, one ma- I had one mistake, and I think the whole tournament, and that's why I took third place. Um, and I, I can own that. It's my mistake, and that's that. And uh, I had a, a great, a great run. I thought I, I I'm very happy with well, you, first match. Gabriel Almeida from Checkmate. You yeah. got the uh, the rear naked choke in the in the opener there. Um, he was a Brazilian trials winner as well. So yeah. he, he yeah. you know, you, you had a, a ton of matches in West Coast trials to, to qualify. But he did the same thing down in Brazil. He had yeah. like five or even six matches or something. Yeah, some I really had five. tough guys. Yeah. I had five and I had a bye wow. the first round. So it could have been six. Man. But I think Stanley had six. He yeah. Did, yeah, he didn't have a bye. The guy those trials the in the finals. Stanley yeah. Rosa. Yeah, yeah. Those, we broke that match down yesterday, actually. So you'll be yeah. able to... Um, We'll see that. That first match breakdowns you've ever done as well, huh? On my own matches, yeah. Yeah, we sat down yesterday and we uh, we shot breakdowns of your uh, uh, your ADCC match, Nogi Worlds, even some some Gi stuff from Pans. Yeah, yeah. Looking at your games, um, it's really cool. I normally do breakdowns for other people. I don't ever really do breakdowns for myself, so it was interesting. Yeah, because it's interesting yeah. because I know what I was thinking, you know. Right. So it's like it's definitely not just like oh, you should do this with your arm, or you should do that with your arm. Yeah, I was thinking like I remember what I felt. I remember what I was thinking or why I did that. I know why I made these decisions. Yeah. Head, so I yeah. can talk, like I literally talk about every single step. Like I moved my arm from here to here because of this. And mm. I can literally have just talked about it for hours probably. Do you watch yourself? Like, do you like to no. go back and then analyze yourself? No. No? Not really. Wow. No, I watch a lot of, like uh, you were talking about, like I, I do some online coaching for mm-hmm. people like who are preparing for competition. So I, I ask them to send me a lot of their, their training videos or their competition videos and I break those down. But again, like, like a lot of times, I'm I'm thinking like, oh, why did you do that? Like I don't understand. Like, but you don't feel what they felt. Like I'm sure there was a reason why they made a decision to move their hand from egg point A to point B. Um, but when you you're watching your own match, it's different because you know exactly what you were feeling in that moment and why you did that. Um, you never have that moment of of, of um, that kind of disconnect. You know, when you you're watching yourself on video and you genuinely don't know why you did something, right. like that's more my experience. <laughs> <laughs> why did I do that? I mean, I've had those moments too. Like, why, right. the, why did I do that? So Let me ask you something cool then about um, about the competition experience because um, everybody everybody goes into a different state, a different mind state during competition. Yeah, some guys they just they're like hyper aware everything's like louder brighter that everything's moving in slow motion they enter that like flow pumped. state right yeah. some guys go out and they come back out and you, or you see them on the mat and their eyes are wide open and it's almost like they see nothing at all they're on autopilot and they come back off and they're just like what happened like even when they won they're like i don't know what just happened but what 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 kind of what goes through your mind what state are you in when you're in are you like an analytical guy when you're on the mat or are you just like a, a flow and like zero thought what what kind of what state are you in i used to be a very jovial competitor like i would i would not take it too serious at all um maybe when i was a purple belt and a brown belt i didn't compete very much at brown belt mostly blue and purple um, but like even before the matches i would like be very friendly with the opponent and i was never trying to take it too serious i was just trying to have a good time um, and then when I got to Asos, like Andre kind of showed me the way of, of like getting serious. Right. Like if you want to win, you're going to have to be serious. Like you need to take this seriously. And like once I made the decision to be a full-time grappler, 
I knew that I had to be serious if I wanted to make anything of this. Like, otherwise, I'm just going to be an average Joe Schmo trying to have a good time at a tournament for fun. Um, and what's more fun than winning, right? Uh, so, um, now I when I go out to compete, it I really I just try to fight. Like, it's not a fight. I mean, I know people like to argue about matches and fighting, but it's a struggle. It's like you're fight, you're fighting for something, right? You're working towards something. Um, and I just, I go out there and just do my best. I just give them everything I have. Like, what, what's going on in your head during that match? Are you like, is there an internal dialogue? Are you kind of talking to yourself? Like, do this, don't do that. Or are you like, does everything just, the world go silent for that, you know, 10 minute match? Or I definitely like, hear, I hear the people, I hear the crowd. Um, it doesn't really bother me either way. Um, it doesn't change anything I'm doing. Um, if I hear people cheer, I don't get pumped. If I hear people booing, I don't really care. Because um, you know, sometimes you see a competitor, right? And they're like, they're they're looking at their coach. They're engaged, and they're almost like communicating with them. Yeah, and stuff, I and try to be, listen. Yeah, I but listen. then there are other guys. It's almost like they're oblivious. Like their coach is like screaming at them, "Move your hand." Move your hand. Move your hand. Yeah. Move your hand for the love of God. Move your hand. And the guy's just like, he's just uh, just shut out from the front, shut off from the world. So the problem is, you can get tunnel vision. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I I I can also. Yeah, and I definitely always listen to Galvao. I always listen to him. Is that like the one voice you tune into? Yeah, and I can I can spot him a mile away, like mm. with my ears. Like I mean, he's been. I remember one time I was I was fighting with Sinistro at um, American Nationals in the open class, no gi. And I was having a really hard time passing his guard. He, he's just, I was standing passing, you know, and he's just so flexible. And I was having a hell of a time. And I heard Galvao, he was like on the other side of the ring, like way, like two mats away. And he says, Josh, pass on your knees. And I did. I dropped to my knees. And then within 30 seconds, I was past his guard. Wow. I grabbed his head, jumped on the guillotine, and like I passed. And I was like, he just, Galvao, he's a very great strategist. And oh, he, yeah. And he never gives bad advice. But it's easy as a competitor to get tunnel vision. Like you want to do this one technique or you want to secure something in this one way and you have tunnel vision and you're just kind of getting obsessed over doing it this way and it's not working. Sometimes you need the person with the outside perspective to yell something at you and just change your gear for a second. Like, hey, consider this. There's another option. There's more than one ways to pass a guard. Can you still tune into into Galvao when he's using his human megaphone? You know what I'm saying? You know, so at tournaments, we've seen this happen a couple of times now in the past that Galvao has gone and he lost his voice because yeah. he's been shouting so much. Yeah. And he has like his human megaphone because he basically, he whispers like... To Tony Passos. Is it Tony? Tony Is it sometimes Well, Tony, Tony, I've seen Tony coaching himself, but sometimes he just like has a guy that is like... Yeah, tell like, me to do this. Yeah, he's like, grab the right hand. Grab the right hand. No, don't go to the left. Don't go to the left. And it's like he just repeats <laughs> word for word what yeah. Galvao says. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if I know Galvao's there, I know that he whatever instruction is being yelled at me from my teammate is coming from him right yeah so um i, I can understand lucas's voice very well um jonathan's gracie is a really great coach jonathan's gracie is actually a phenomenal strategist really and no one realizes it because he doesn't speak english much he can he's just super shy mm-hmm. and he gets really embarrassed but he's a brilliant strategist huh. like i think when he gets his english on point and you guys get to hear him like speak his mind in english well you're going to be shocked at actually how much jujitsu intelligence that that kid has tough competitors who, yeah he's going right. to be he's going to be phenomenal you yeah. guys are going to see him for a long time he signed up at nogi worlds next week huh yeah he's a middleweight 
him. Uh, who else you got? We there? were going to have Rolando Sampson, but he um, was unable to make the points. Oh, so I, right. maybe you can answer this for me. When did the IBJJF implement the point requirement for Nogi Worlds? So we only noticed it ourselves recently, right? That, not that long ago. I mean, right. I guess when they published the Nogi Worlds page on their website, it was on there. I just don't think anybody really no one realized, realized it. because when you go to the, the the page, who can register? It's right there in black and white. You need thirty points to qualify to compete as a black belt adult male, mm. unless you're a returning world champion for okay. yourself. You only yeah. need eight points to qualify, even no, if you I'm good. gave you know three years and then you went back, you'd still be able to qualify. But uh, it's also an exception if you're a returning brown belt world champion. So for somebody like Ronaldo Jr. from last year, it has to be be from the previous year. So somebody like Ronaldo who won brown belt last year, he could sign up this year as a black belt without any qualifying points. But for anybody else, they would need to go and hustle and go to the Nogi circuit and get those points in the tournaments to qualify. Yeah. So So I think I caught a few people out, huh? Yeah, Rolando Sampson's out. Mm. Um, Rafael Vasconcelos is out. And... uh, Nogi Worlds looks a lot different this year. We talked a little bit about it yesterday. We were looking through the divisions, and um, we got a preview video going up on the site shortly with your thoughts on that. But um, overall thoughts, uh, there's only two returning champions from the male black belt divisions this year. For the there's, whole tournament. For the, for the entire black belt adult tournament. There is black belt male. There's no, it's, um, I mean, from last year. There's oh, from Nobuhiro last year. There's Sawada, the rooster weight, and oh. Joao Miao was signed up as well. And then every other weight class, there are previous champions, like yeah, Roberto Cy- Cyborg, who was champion for a few years ago, but every other weight class, the last year's champion is not there to defend the title. Um, it's kind of crazy, right? Yeah, but it is an ADCC year, and I think I mean a lot of guys. They're burnt out. I'm burnt out. Mm-hmm. You know, that's how I feel. I, I'm I'm just that ADCs camp took it out of me, and then I did the fight to win right after that, like three weeks after. So basically, extended my camp for three more weeks, and I was just fried. Do you think the proximity to the gi season as well? Like guys are always maybe they're already maybe looking forward to yeah. Europeans? It's, it's like if you have you know as a competitor, you definitely want to give yourself a break for a month or two and you have to kind of decide which month you want to do that and which basically means which big tournament do you want to miss? Mm. Maybe for the, yeah, if if like the guys are looking at Euros or Pans, yeah, this would be the time to take your break and it's the holidays, you know, yeah. it's like if there was a time to take a break, this is it because then you get to go see your family. So, yeah, you know, that's the thing about jujitsu. there's no off season, right? It's a yeah, year-round sport. Right. It is tough. We get we get two weeks basically. You have Christmas and New Year's, and then back on the grind. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Again, gearing I mean, up this, for Europeans. This is why I don't do Europeans ever. I did it once, and I would like to do it again. But to be honest, that's that's a, a big seminar month for me in January, mm. February. Um, and, Which is and another side of being a full time professional, right? Right. You, you, you have to choose your your periods of money making. Mm. Like I, that's I've been lately for the past few years I just make all my money in the first half of the year and I compete in the second half of the year mm. and that's what I did last year you know I just I did the trials which is that was abnormal for me right I, I would have stayed abroad longer and done more seminars if I didn't have to come back to do the trials um, but then after the trials I went on my little hustle all the way up through May and then in June and through June also and then in July I slowed down August and then I focused on ADCC and then for the past four months I really haven't been hustling or making a whole lot of seminars one or two here and there but that's kind of what 
actually this week is this this week is me getting back on my grind you know nice. so i'm on my way to virginia um, for a seminar this weekend and then new jersey and then philadelphia and then you're saying january you're going to january i'll be in australia nice. yeah we're doing a nogi summit in melbourne it's being hosted by uh, 10th planet that'd be cool. Yeah, cool yeah so we have six instructors um kyle Terra being the the, the main event those and, Nogi uh, summits look awesome. They've had a they're super now. fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, they, yeah. They bring in some really good guys. Yeah, for us, right. Phil Schwartz puts them on. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know if he's the the number one organizer. I, as far as I know, he is. Maybe he shares the work with someone else. I'm not sure, but he does a really good job. Yeah. So we we had one in Portland um, a few months ago, and Marcelo Garcia was the main event. It was cool, super cool for not me bad. to get to share <laughs> a, a, an instruction mat with Marcelo. You know, like we were on different days, but it was still cool. Yeah, it was cool because a lot of my jiu-jitsu was influenced by Marcelo at, when I was a purple belt. And uh, it was great. It was great to hang out with him and, and, and meet the, the legend. exchange the legend some uh, guillotine tips and ideas? You know, the Marcelo team being another. You chit-chatted, yeah. I mean, I had a, a horrific eye infection, so I couldn't, oh, I couldn't right. actually. You couldn't touch anybody. <laughs> I couldn't touch anyone, yeah. yeah. I, I actually had to, I, I, I had to like, I walked in with sunglasses, right? And everyone was like, who's this asshole? Wow, yeah. with sunglasses. And I was like, you guys don't realize, I, I just can't see. And uh, I didn't realize at the time that it was the, the EKC virus. Yeah. Uh, I thought it was just pink eye. So I was already on antibiotics for a few days. And I was like, oh, right, I'm going to be good pretty soon. Like, this should be on the decline, you know, by now. And I, But I just told everyone, I was like, look, I'm going to teach. I'm going to talk. I'm going to touch one person, which is my uke. And he volunteered for this position. And he f- is fully aware of the risks he has Did taken. He, he didn't get it. No, because I, san- I sanitized yep. my hands between every single technique. Wow. You know, I just took a little towel, dabbed my, my watery eyes, hand sanitizer, and I just talk and touch him. And I just didn't touch anyone else. And, and I think it was good. I don't think anyone got it. Nice. The tropical eye rots. That was a uh, that was wild, huh? Weird little thing. Yeah. Is it done? Is it done? Is it gone now? Or is it still? Is it I still mean, floating we around? heard some post ADCC that it actually uh, made its way down to Florida. Yeah, because it was I heard that. it was basically in two locations at one point. Right? It was in New York with all the DDS guys, and Craig Jones had it obviously, and a bunch yeah. of others from there. Um, and then it was in San Diego, San Diego, and I lost count of the amount of guys from your gym who had yeah, it. At least half a dozen. Wow. Yeah, the Rotolo boys had it. Yeah, Batista, Batista Johnson, Gracie, Johnson, you, and a couple of the blue belts got it too. But um, but yeah, somehow, I heard it was up in TriStar, up in Canada too. That's what I heard. Apparently, that that could be patient zero. That that may be how it got there from there down to Henzo's because yeah, they've maybe. got a link, right? A lot of the guys, like yeah. Oliver Taza is a TriStar guy. Yeah. Um, who else is it? It's a uh, Pierre Cranston is he? Pierre, no, Cranston, I'm not sure, but um, Pierre Leclerc as well. He's another oh, yeah, DDS yeah. stroke TriStar guy. So who knows? They and could have brought it, it over the border. I mean, it's way to Florida. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, Coco posted about it. He got it too. Yeah. So Cyborg had it, but it's, I think it's now it's kind of fizzled away. Even Mo seems like Mo got it. Even Mo ADCC promoter Mo and Mo Mo was super paranoid at ADCC. Right. He wasn't shaking hands with anybody. He wasn't even fist bumping. He was just giving like elbow taps. Forearm, the forearm, <laughs> elbow tap. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, I ain't touching nobody. He's like, I had a bottle of hand sanitizer in my pocket that entire weekend. Seriously. We were all ready to get it. Like, it's yeah. just going to happen. The <laughs> trick is just don't touch your face. Yeah. Don't touch your face. It's so hard. It's like a human thing. They just like, of course, you want yeah. to touch your face. Like, even I catch myself doing it all the time. Don't do it. Don't touch yeah. your face. Gross. You know, this will be a really, um, really good time to maybe pull up some reader questions, huh? We, uh, we put out the call on the gram and on facebook uh, and just we were asking some people like uh let's 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 talk let's see what you got for josh Let so rip. ryan yeah. i believe that you have some uh some reader questions you want to bring some up yeah absolutely uh g money bjj asked josh who would you like to face next how did i know this question was 
the good old the good yeah. old the classic yeah. who do you want to fight to next this. um I don't know. I don't. You know. I don't really. I don't really think about it much. Like, what about I, an event? Do you have any events you want to be on? Any yeah. any stages you, you haven't fought on yet? Is there an objective? Is there a goal that you would like to achieve that you haven't done yet? I, I told Seth that I would like to do more fight twin events in the gi because Ooh. I've actually never done a f- submission only gi match. Never, huh. never done one. Nice. That would be great. Yeah, sign us up. We'd love to see that. That's not true. I did uh, Gracie Gracie Worlds. And they had a gi and no gi. But I've heard the gi day was much smaller than the no gi day. Right. Like, it's very much a no gi event. The gi, the gi day was very slim, but I did have a, I did have a submission-only match. Nice. But anyways, I would like to do um, some fight-to-win submission-only matches so I can show people that I'm really not just a no gi guy. There it is. <laughs> <laughs> like that one? Yeah, that's my well, plan for What else we got, Ryan? Uh, does Josh prefer arm-in or arm-out guillotine? Well, that's an excellent question. I really appreciate that because I don't actually understand why people call the arm in guillotine the arm in guillotine because I see it as an arm out guillotine. Oh, Chase, may I, see. may I? You may. You may. Look, I don't see here. I you don't go. see an. I don't see an arm in here. I see an arm out. The arm in guillotine is this. This is an arm in guillotine. Ah, this is a real is. thing. It's an actual. Yep. It's an actual guillotine with an arm in. Thank you. So. Um, Hopefully, I'm still connected. Here. I hope so. <laughs> but I know I understand what his question was. His question is, do I prefer to be like guillotine people with just their head or overhooking their arm? Right. And I definitely always prefer overhooking the arm because they no longer have that hand to use as a, as a, a line of defense. Right. So what about ten finger guillotine. I don't like ten finger guillotines. Really? No. Yeah, because you're just holding the head on the, right. on your chest. You're putting yeah. the back of the head on your chest, and you're doing this. I've had too many bad experiences where I didn't hold it properly and mm-hmm. the head popped out and blasted Boom. my chin mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. I chin. Yeah. bit a hole right I've through my tongue. I've done that to somebody, yeah. I've pierced my own tongue with my teeth at <sighs> least half a dozen times. Jeez, like God. just a straight puncture, like right? yeah. straight through it. Half a dozen? At least. Damn. I've chipped teeth. I've Do you broke... wear a mouthpiece? I was gonna say, a mouth no. guard might no. have come into play at some no. point. I don't wear one either. No. I can't stand, I can't stand I that. I used to years ago, but I stopped it like a long time and they ago. They chew up the upper part of my gums. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know, maybe it was just a bad mouth guard. I don't mm-hmm. know. But, um, I, you know, if that person has two free hands, they're gonna, that's two hands of defense that they're mm-hmm. going to they're gonna start clawing at your hands with. So at least if you hook one, they only have one hand to defend with. And if they're defending with that hand, they're not posting, so you're sweeping them. So it provides a much more tactical advantage. Um, also, if you do get on top of them and you have the arm isolated behind your back, you have other, much other, a uh, few other attacks like the monoplata and stuff. So, but you never go for like the uh, the high elbow. I, I actually, anything, my my shoulders or... are too tight to do that. I can't quite. I can't do it. I can't get my elbow up high no. enough. Yeah, and I actually, I, 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 I this, found this out the stretch. hard way years ago because I was getting some wrist problems and I went and I got an X-ray, and it turned out that where I think you have something like seven bones in your wrist really? apparently. Uh, I only have five because two of them are fused together. So that's why I, I cannot like do the, the high elbow guillotine on one side because I can't like throw my wrist over. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it's so and the shoulder thing. So yeah, yeah. I just yeah, I don't, I don't like uh, I don't like dude, when I just control the head. I don't feel like I have control. Mm. I feel like they can swoop with their head and they're going to find a way to get it out. I think if you hook the arm, you have much better control. Easier to hand fight when it's. Uh, when when the both hands are right here as well, right? Yeah, because right. they've got both hands to exactly. actually defend. So right. yeah. they have ten fingers to deal with instead of five. Yeah, and five is much less than ten. Obviously, <laughs> there we it's go. Absolutely, exactly. <laughs> half, in fact, Ryan, yeah. what else you got, bro? Uh, we have a question about weight cutting. Um, okay. Josh, what are your thoughts about weight allowances versus DQ, and considering the costs and effort uh, to compete 
And do you think that weigh-ins should be uh, at the time of division or the morning or the night before? Right. Um, what What do they mean by weight allowance? Maybe a pound. Like over. an extra like pound? Yeah. Like the yeah. extra pound? More or less I mean, a pound. Okay. Isn't that just increasing the weight division by one pound? Yeah, it's just it's just changing the weight class, <laughs> yeah. right? Like if you tell someone they get a one pound allowance, it's no longer one forty five. Like the weight class now He's becomes one forty six. What about yeah. one pound allowance with a penalty? You start with like, you know, penalty points. Down or two something. points. <laughs> like you, if you overweight, then it's not just an, uh, an extra pound. Then you're penalized. Interesting. You only get one shot on the scale as well, right? Yeah. That's true. Yeah. How does it work in wrestling? You used to wrestle. Did you get multiple chances to weigh in? Yeah, you, you had a, you had a definitely you had a window of two hours, two to three uh, hours. Yeah. Like if you didn't make it the first time, you get to go out and run around. And, and I mean, in the IBJJF, you technically have that too. They have the test scale and they have the official scale. There's, True, you only get one shot at the official scale. Everybody always says they're different, though, right? They always complain. Yeah, but the they have scales. they have to err on the side of safety, right? Yeah. Like the yeah. test scale should be lighter than the official scale. So if you make it on the test scale, you absolutely make it on the right. official scale. One year I saw Johnny Tama get DQ'd. Sorry for calling him out, but sorry, not sorry. I mean, it happened. And uh, he swore they were different. He swore it. He's like, no, I checked on the test scale. I was good. And on the official scale, I wasn't good. Um, and and the head referee, Angelino, he, he grabbed someone. He said, okay, step on the official scale. Go step on the test scale. Step on the official scale. They're the same. And, wow. he, and he went through it. He went through the test. He, he gave... He gave Tama the benefit of the doubt and checked it. That's fair. And, yeah. uh, and it was the same. Like, and a lot of people were looking. There's a lot of eyes mm-hmm. on it. We all saw it. And, um, yeah, it was unfortunate for him at that time. But I, 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 in my experience, I've always felt the official scale is just a little bit less than the test scale or a little bit more. It's more. The test scale is less. So you're, yes, you yes. have, you have I'm some. I'm with you. I'm with you. We got it. We got it. <laughs> what was the question again? <laughs> What about time away in? Yeah, that was oh, the other yeah, part. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I don't think cutting weight is a good thing, right? Because let's be honest. Like, if you need a weight advantage to win a match, do you really have better jiu-jitsu? Do you? That's a very good question. I'm assuming it's rhetorical. You're actually asking me. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just letting everyone think about it. Just letting everyone think about it for a yeah. second. Um, why do people feel they need five more pounds? Mm. What the what the what is five pounds going to do for you? Do you mm. really think that five extra pounds over your opponent is going to make the difference and you're going to win? But it's like ten pounds sometimes or more. But in IBJJF, it's pretty hard to mm. recover ten pounds when you weigh in the moment before. That's true. That's right. True. So I think that's why the IBJJF does that. They don't to want, dissuade from weight cutting. Yeah, yeah, they're trying to absolutely. discourage weight cutting. They yeah. you have to step on the scale and then go fight the match. Every time that I've ever cut weight at an IBJJF tournament, I perform like shit. Hmm. I don't feel good because I don't have time to rehydrate. I don't have time to recover. I don't have time to eat. I don't have any food in me. I feel terrible. And then, and that's why my performance at Nogi Worlds 2017 was so terrible. I cut. Oh, you went down to middleweight, right? I went to middleweight mm-hmm. and I killed myself to make it there. I had to die. I dieted off probably 12 pounds over six weeks. And then I had to cut six pounds the night before in the Ooh. sauna. Mm. And I just felt horrible i felt miserable i think i won every match just by a margin like barely at the last maybe it was the last minute or it was a small margin of victory i even remember the very first match i it was zero zero all the way to the 32nd mark and i think man i was like am i going to lose in the first round like it's this it's it can go either way it's not a close it's a close match like and luckily for me he got a penalty and then he felt obligated to shoot and then i caught his neck and i turned it into something um, but I felt terrible the whole tournament. That was the, the match I had with Dante. I had that match with Philippe in the finals. I won by an advantage. So if you think that if if they were to institute like a uh, say like an an 
7.30 till 9.30 a.m. weigh-in period where everybody has to weigh in and then that's it, you know, that it's only going to, it's only going to basically increase the amount of weight cutting. Right, so look at, let's look at fight to win. It's the night before weigh-in. Right. I feel like a lot like of... Like MMA almost, yeah. Right, I feel like a lot of people are more inclined to cut weight because they have more time to recover, but... Like literally 24 hours. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And you see the worlds as well. A lot of people drop down a division because they know if they make the finals, that's the next day. So they got to survive that first day, right? And they look like shit. But then they had the right. whole for the, black, on the size for the of black their bracket. Yes. They can only have maybe one match that first day, right? Like, right. Especially if you, if you, basically if your rooster are ultra heavy, you probably only got one match in your division that first day, and they can weigh in, get yeah. through it, and like you say, then recuperate and they're good to go the next day. Dante and I had a funny a funny exchange actually. Um, on because we fought on the second day on the semifinal, so we both and we both had cut a lot of weight. And Sunday morning, I remember I ate a massive breakfast, just the biggest, baddest, like French toast, scrambled egg, sausage Ooh, breakfast. Like me hungry, Josh. Like <laughs> it was the baddest breakfast ever, and it sat in my stomach like a brick oh, for hours. Shocking. It did not digest the way I was hoping. And I went out to that match with Dante with a stomach full of food. It just it had been hours, but the food, my stomach was just like, what is all this stuff? that we haven't seen in six weeks and then Dante told me the exact same thing he's like bro I had a stomach full of food I <laughs> ate way too much for breakfast and I did too and I was like that's why we were both like gassing out in the match we were literally just sitting on each other like we both had just massive bellies full of food wow um, I've always performed better when I'm underweight and well fed always like five pounds underweight but well fed and hydrated i feel amazing and i perform well and i feel the weight cut on those guys when i'm hanging on their head and i'm pushing them around i feel that they had cut the weight you're at full capacity and they are and they're not not and they're not yeah. and i feel that and then i get motivated from that i feel i was like okay i can break this guy he's on the edge right now he's getting tired and he's he doesn't have the energy to push. So that's when I start pushing really hard. And I can push hard because I'm at full capacity. So ideally you're three or four pounds like water weight before a tournament and that's all you got to worry about? I, I don't even like to worry about two pounds. Like I, I would just prefer – even at ADCC, I was well under. Mm. I weighed in with all my clothes on. Like I was several kilos underweight. Um, who's and, the biggest weight cutter that you know or train with? Like who's the guy in the, in the room that's, uh, that's dropping the most amount of weight to? You, you know, at ADCC, it was Ty. Wow. Ty really sucked right? himself up. Well, like, he was also a last-minute call-up. Yeah, call and, up, and right? the, the thing about ADCC was, like, you get invited to that division, you have to do that division. You don't right. you don't get invited to 66 and then get to opt into 77. Mm-hmm. It just doesn't happen. So How he, much did he cut? It was a lot, man. It was, like, more than 16 pounds or something. Wow. Yeah, it was – I mean, he – after the tournament, he blew up to my weight. Yeah, I was huge in that match with Wagner. I saw him like about five weeks after ADCC. No, like like four weeks, about a month after. Totally unrecognizable. He was huge. Yeah. Like I used it already, but he was a chonker. He was (laughs) (laughs) thick. We had the twins on the podcast a couple nights ago. And and Cade was telling us that Ty was literally just eating until he would vomit. Oh, my God. After he would eat, vomit. And then continue no. eating. Yeah, he would continue eating. That's what they told us. Yeah, oh, that's bad. Guys, um, <laughs> I I like what the IBJF does. I really do. I like that they have the weigh-in right before the match, and it discourages people from weight cutting. And if you feel that you need a weight cut in order to perform well, there's a problem with your psyche, and there's a problem with your jiu-jitsu. Okay, if if you think five pounds is going to make the difference between winning and losing, the problem is not your weight; it's your jiu-jitsu. 
and and probably your confidence. So I would prefer that the the IBJJF keeps what they're doing, keeps the weigh-ins right before the match, and people will just stop cutting weight. Just stop. Just stop doing it. Why? I really like what one championship does for MMA. Oh, they have Was multiple weigh-ins, water? right? Well, they sign, they sign people, and whatever that person was fighting at whatever division they were doing in the past, they have to go up one division. Hmm. If you're a 155-er and then you sign with, with one, you have to go to 170. You don't have a choice. But they do this to everyone. So you, the whole division gets bumped up, and all the same guys are still fighting the same guys. And no one with has to the, weight cut. The massive weight cuts, yeah. No one has to weight cut. So you're going to have healthier fighters, probably better fights. Right? Very nice. Yeah. What else we got, Ryan? We got, I'm sure we got a ton of questions still. Any hope for Josh Hanger versus Craig Jones? Of course. It'll happen. Yeah, we'll just we're gonna I'll find the right time, the right venue, the right paycheck, and it's gonna happen. Yeah, this close, right? Yeah, I'm not gonna retire without without having to throw down with Craig. Yeah, it'll happen. You Pink guys were uh, there was a, a little <laughs> running battle throughout ADCC as well as to uh, who could take the most submissions as well, right? And you were you were at the end of day one. You were like, who else has got that many submissions? Well, <laughs> yeah, it was it was only three of us that had double submissions on day one. You, Craig, and Gordon. Gordon, yeah, right? That was right. it. There's only three competitors that got double submissions on day one. And then, um, yeah, and then on day two, both Craig and I got one submission and one loss. So tied yeah, nice. up. We're tied up. Yeah, tied. I like Craig. He's cool. He is cool. Yeah. He's a good, good guy. Yeah, we'll have that match eventually. I don't know when or where, but it'll happen. It's inevitable. Any tips for people that are trying to avoid guillotines altogether? Getting guillotined or... Getting guillotined. <laughs> Remove your neck. You know, there's one thing that some of my teammates do that's pretty effective, but they play guard on their back and they put the back of their head on the mat and they keep their hands up like this. <laughs> <laughs> they just lie flat on their back. <laughs> yeah, but it's not a very effective way to play guard either. No. Yeah, so if your goal is just to avoid guillotines, yeah, you can do that. But <laughs> I don't know how you're going to launch any kind of attacks whatsoever. Who's the toughest guy to, to catch with a guillotine in your room? Nassar. Really? Yeah, I don't know, understand what it is about him, but he can just survive and gurgle inside a guillotine for so long that your arm will burn out. Wow. So he, for, for me, he's the, he's the guillotine workout, right? If I can <laughs> squeeze on him as hard as I can for as long as I can until he pops his head out or until I burn my arm out. Yeah, he's the only one that can just survive inside a guillotine for like a minute of just me cranking it. And he's just like... <laughs> <laughs> and, <laughs> but he, I don't know what it is about him. He, he has a soft trachea. I'm very, that out. That's going yeah. to be a standalone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he can survive inside the guillotine for so long. It's very hard to finish him with it. Um, I usually will use it to sweep him instead and just at least get on top. But for finishing, it's very difficult. But I, I see it as a challenge. You know, like, uh-huh. I, like to, I like to squeeze his neck as long and as hard as I can. I think even one time I was squeezing him for so long and he was gurgling so much. I just, I was like, oh, he's going to tap. He's, he's almost there. And I'm, my arm is just smoked. You know, I'm just like, Ugh. and he finally escaped. And I just got so angry. I was like, <laughs> why won't you tap? <laughs> I just like shoved him. I, was like, I hate you. <laughs> 
but it's like it's that kind of workout that makes the squeeze strong, right? Mm-hmm. He, it, if it wasn't for him, I probably wouldn't have such a strong squeeze. I just right. he makes me work on it so much. I love that post that you made uh, a while back about how you're a connoisseur of chins, yeah. You know? <laughs> and you kind of like a little descriptor about all the different guys in the room, like yeah. Kynan, you know, he's got That's that a big, chin. fat, <laughs> juicy, <laughs> big old chin, chin to hang yeah. on to. Like but the then like Thanos Batista chin. is really difficult, you know. And Batista has a round head shape it's very, very difficult it's like trying to it's like trying to chin grip a basketball right like wow. you really can't get a good handle on it but like holding a football super easy right some like you kind of have a football face thanks Chase. thank you and it kind of comes to a point you know it's a nice little lever to grab onto mm-hmm. we just got a question does josh or kynan have the best guillotine at atos i taught kynan the guillotine oh he, 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 he publicly he publicly credits me it's he, he, he does have a pretty savage guillotine. Yeah, of course. Right. So when he was a purple belt, I used to I used to just slap the guillotine on him over and over and over. It was actually Kynan at when he was a purple belt in 2016. Uh, we were training for Nogi Worlds, and he was the first one that was like, "Josh, you're going to be Nogi World champion." And it was because I guillotined him like five times in a row, and he was just like, "Wow, I don't know how anyone's going to stop that." That's uh, cool. Yeah, he called it. And That's then, a nice moment. Yeah, it was nice, you know. And and uh, he, yeah, he definitely developed the guillotine also. he's used it to i mean yeah, just put, incredible effect i mean you know he, he I, first he, time i ever really saw kainan you know first time i registered kainan was uh, at the adcc trials in brazil 2017 when he won and he beat patrick gaudio in the final and yeah i was like who is this kid right. he's wearing a purple belt rash guard like yeah. who is this kid <laughs> and uh i got talking to him and i think he finished something like it was either four out of five or five out of six matches that day you know and like a couple of guillotines, a couple of rear nakeds, but he was just killing people. And um, I got talking to him and, you know, he told me about you know, where he was from and about how Andre had told him, you got to do the ADCC trials, man, you know? And then uh, first round at ADCC that year, and he was a brown belt now, taps out Pablo Popovich. Put him to sleep. Yeah. Pablo Popovich, the, the you know, returning champion. ADCC champion, champion, you yeah. know, like one yeah. of the toughest guys. And yeah. he retired him. That's that was what his last four cents. Yeah. 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 And Kainan was just some way at the time he's like eighteen, I think it was, right. something like that. And Kainan he, only turns twenty two in January. Yeah. It's not scary. That's nuts. And he won Nogi Worlds with a guillotine on pop on a, um Popolo. Popolo. Yeah. And he won Europeans this year against uh Felipe Andrew with a guillotine as well. And he submitted Joao Gabriel. He I did. Uh, um in the guillotine, right? These were both King, King of the Mats. Yeah. King of the Mats in Moscow, yeah. yeah. King of the Mats. So yeah, he's got a, he almost got Leandro at the spider, huh? He had him in the guillotine. I was he like, oh, did. almost. He did, yeah. man, yeah. That Le- was close, Leandro huh? doesn't give up so easily. No. Man, Just that, got yeah. a new question. Uh, Josh, will you ever open your own academy? Uh, I think about this every day, yeah. You know what the problem is? I can't pick a city that I want to live in forever. Austin's pretty nice. <laughs> is it? Is it? I, should I open it right next to the on it? <laughs> um. Yeah, I, 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 I want to. It's a thing. It's on my bucket list. It's a thing that I want to do. Um, I just honestly, I really cannot decide where I would do that. It's not like I, to be honest, I have the savings ready to go. I just need to pull the trigger on it. And and I even have uh, investors that that want to. I mean, I don't know that having investors is even a good idea, but. Uh, I've always heard don't. There's, there's no barriers to you opening yeah, I have, the gym yeah, right yeah, now. Exactly. I have no you barriers. Could yeah, wanted, I have all right? the everything's ready to go. I just have to decide to do it and pull the trigger, but I just don't know where. <laughs> I don't know where I want to go. I, I like San Diego a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's a tough great, city to leave. It's a yeah, it's a, it is. It's a great city. It's a great jujitsu. All my friends are there. I mean, I have a good thing going at Altos and 
you know, like what would happen to the Matt Burn podcast if me, <laughs> me and Keenus were separated? Well, I think the good thing is that wherever you go, the Matt Burn will live on. Yeah. <laughs> wherever you, yeah. you can take it wherever you want. We would, we'd probably just have fewer episodes together or we'd do them uh, remotely. I don't know. But yeah, I'd think about it. Um, probably within a few years, it'll happen. Let's wrap up with one more question, Ryan. What we got? How happy were you when Keenan asked you to co-host the Matt Burn podcast? Oh my god, get out of here! Uh, who's that? It's submitted, who's that submitted by? <laughs> Moonfox. Keenan Cornelius. Yeah, right. It's a bit of a running joke between you guys, yeah, right? Yeah. Whose idea was it to create the podcast? It was mine. It was your yeah, idea. Yeah. There you go. I, but he, I, he and is, I have the screenshot. The he, proof. <laughs> <laughs> just in case anybody was smart. Uh, yeah. I've saved it in multiple locations that way. <laughs> so you can't steal it and delete it. <laughs> Should anything happen to you, it yeah. automatically gets released. Yeah. yeah. But we did do it at his house. And, we, and now uh, with his, his new house purchase, that uh, we have a separate room that we Ooh. have dedicated to it. So, yeah. You've both contributed it in your own way. Right? Yeah, of course. Yeah. No, we share. We definitely share the work. Um, I, I care more about just uploading the audio versions. He cares more about the video version. And we just split the work like that. And it's been a good thing yeah I, i'm really happy with it and uh if you guys don't know check out the matt burn podcast i'm it's, a fan i listen to it it's all on the time i think it's great Everyone actually yeah i like listening to the banter between you guys you know you've got obviously a, you guys have known each other a long time and you know you know each other so well it's yeah. so funny to hear you guys go at it sometimes because it's we like, pretty much disagree on everything pretty much yeah. and it's great it's like it's like what's I mean, that what's that movie with the two old grumpy men living in the same apartment is it called grumpy, grumpy old men <laughs> <laughs> funnily enough there you go but it's yeah. just like they're constantly bickering about everything yeah. and it's like you know I, I mean I, we I think about it. we are opposites I mean like he's a guard player he prefers the gi I'm a no gi guy I prefer the top like, I like you know he yeah and you both have strong opinions we yeah (laughs) we definitely disagree on everything um but like i i would like to say um people should really stop getting so upset about like little individual statements that we make like we don't rehearse don't take them out of context yeah don't take it out of context like just try to understand the overarching topic and the point being made like no one we don't rehearse we don't do research before we go in there. Like we don't have time for that. And if we did, it would become a, a much different show. It'd be much yeah. more rehearsed and, and unorganic and boring. You know, we go in there and we just sit down and we wing it. We wing it. We have a few topics that we want to hit on, but yeah, if we don't hit like the facts on the head every time, like give us a break. Like no, I, no one cares about your fact checking DM. Like <laughs> I don't need it. I don't care. Like I'm sorry. Oh, if I missed a year by one year. Oh, sorry. It doesn't matter, I guess. Just get, let it go. Yeah. Don't take it so seriously. Yeah, don't take it so serious. We don't take it serious, so you should probably not take it so serious. No it's one just, likes a pedant, you know? It's just for fun, man. <laughs> We're just doing it for fun. Very cool. Well, man, Josh, it's been absolutely fantastic to have you in the studio. i got to say, it's been a lot of fun. Yeah. We've done a lot with you while we're here. You've done the match breakdowns. We've done the Fix My Game. Mm-hmm. Um, you did a great preview of the divisions for Nogi Worlds. Um, fantastic episode of the podcast right here. And I think it's good. time to go get some lunch, shall we? Yeah. Love it. Awesome. awesome. Guys, well, thanks for watching. I'll leave, you know, Josh, you, you're a <laughs> pro. Why don't you do the sign-off? Oh, there yeah. you go. <laughs> bring us out. Bring us on home here, We'll Josh. see you next time. Um, <laughs> to be honest, we don't have a very good sign-off for the Maverick Podcast. We pretty much decide, well, uh, it's Let time. me show you how it's done. Yeah, show me. <laughs> we just say, I guess, check, check you guys later. Guys, it's been real. It's been fantastic. It'll be another episode of Fistful of Collards in two weeks' time because next week we're going to be at the 2019 
IBJJF World Nogi Championships. It's the last big event of the year. Yep. And it's gonna, be in, it's gonna be interesting. As we were saying, there's gonna be a lot of new champions crowned. Uh, it's definitely gonna be one for the history books. And the week after that, we actually have, and I can announce it now, exclusively make the reveal, we have another special guest coming Ooh. in the week before Christmas. Muhammad Ali. Very oh, nice. Muhammad's great. Yeah, a we fellow got Muhammad podcaster. Ali, 2018 RBJJF World Champion, one of the most entertaining and exciting and probably the biggest heart in jiu-jitsu as well. Yeah. Always lays it out there, always puts it on the line. Muhammad Ali is going to be joining us in the studio next week. So uh, awesome. Two weeks. Muhammad's a good two, dude. Two, yeah, two I like weeks. him a lot. Yeah, yeah it's going to be fun. See you guys in the next one. See you.